Yeah, we love Ted Lasso. And this is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. I'm your host, Coach Castleton. And with me, as always, are Coach Bishop. What's good? And our boss, Emily Chambers. I'm fighting with Roy Kent, and I'm not sure how to feel about that. <laughs> Interesting. You're Let's fighting with in. Roy Kent. All mm-hmm. right. So this week's episode is Season 1, Episode 8. The Diamond Dogs. I know this is a this is a, a, a favorite of the podcast. Am I right, guys? Absolutely, very much so. All right, so I felt like we were going to blast through this one. Um, I feel like on the other on the side of the aisle, you guys think <laughs> this <laughs> we might break records. So I'm interested to see how this all shakes out. This episode is written by Leanne Bowen, directed by Declan Lowney, and um, yeah, the Diamond Dogs. Um, I feel like we might have our own sort of version of the Diamond Dogs here on this podcast. And and I think we we when we started this, we had only seen what four episodes? We hadn't we hadn't been through all of this. So we didn't know the Diamond sure. Dogs existed when we started to Diamond Dogs the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, I I suspect had we known that that would have been in the running for names of the podcast or somehow being involved with <laughs> How we talk about this because yeah, it's it's we'll get into it, but I love the whole concept of the diamond dogs. I love the dynamics of the diamond dogs. It's it's delicious. So we open up with a subjective camera shot. We are we are Nate's point of view. We don't know it's Nate's point of view yet. Um and he is under the bus. Sam opens up the outer door of the bus and he says, Hello, mon cher. <laughs> Which <laughs> Hello, my dear. It's so funny. And before we see that it's an eight, we, we call over Coach Beard and Zorro and, and Danny. And, w- and what does Danny say, Coach? He looks like a beautiful angel man. Which is <laughs> what? Which is like, but from Danny, like anyone else, I'd be like, shut up. And then Danny goes, I'm like, oh. You're right, yeah. Danny. He is a little beautiful angel man. This is the problem. I could spend 20 minutes just talking about literally the opening 15 seconds of the show. Yes, correct. The only only thing that I'm going to say about it is that uh, when Coach Beard comes over and sees Nate, his response is, oh, thank God. And I think that that sets the tone for the entirety of the series. Like, you find your buddy <laughs> passed out underneath the bu- bus. Uh, bus. And instead of, like, immediately starting laughing or fucking with him the way that a lot of people would, Beard's right. response is, oh, thank God. I, I reacted to the fact that we this, – this is in such stark contrast to the open for Seven, where he could be trapped under the bus and truly no one even notices he's missing except Ted as they pull off. And now it seems yeah. half the team has gone, whoa, 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 stop everything – Where's Nate? So I I thought it was a very, in addition to everything else that works about it, I thought it was a very clever way of reminding us that we are starting this episode with a new Nate. This is not the Nate of the first six episodes. Absolutely. And I'll also just take a quick um, 
a second to shout out to my younger brother who said that not only did he cry a little bit when Nate was uh, giving Roy Kent what for, but that he also then needed to stand up and do a warrior battle cry and pace around his basement. So the scene is apparently as effective to the audience as it is to the cast members. So I appreciate that. I watched it. I rewatched the speech mid first viewing of the episode, which is like crazy. Like, <laughs> but I was like, stop everything. Stop. I know this is episode eight and I don't want to confuse anyone as we get going here. But yeah, that speech, you got to be kidding me with that speech. So yeah, new Nate, brand new Nate. Okay, also, so Nate, Nate drinks now. So Nate yes. drinks now. Yes. So which is why I felt like Beard was like, oh, thank God. Like we didn't kill Nate. <laughs> yes. I think you're on something there, yeah. Yeah. So um now Nate, moving on Nate, to the second scene of the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nate jumps up, he's gonna vomit. We cut to Rebecca sneaking out of her out of her <laughs> tryst. And you wanna walk us through that, coach? Well, she's she's tip she's tiptoeing, her hair's a mess, like one of the straps from her top isn't like she's you know, she looks like someone who's sneaking out of a room. And then we see this moment of absolute realization and she realizes it's her room. And all we with just looking at this guy in the bed sleeping soundly, we just hear, Oi, out and he jumps up and I just <laughs> felt like she scored points for women throughout the millennia. Like I just was like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, get out, buddy. She's a hundred percent. It's it's her room. It's her world. Get out. I loved it. How did how did that land for you, boss? I I did think it was great, and I still think it was great. Um, there is a very small part of me that appreciates how Ted handled his one night stand and the exit from it, it, it a little bit more. Like. It, I liked the no-nonsense, like, business aspect of Rebecca's handling of it, but I think Ed's might have been the more human way of approaching it. I'm glad you said that, because I thought I was going to be, like, about to mansplain something here, and I was horrified. (laughs) I was really worried about this moment, because I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. Because, okay. You didn't like which part of it, Coach? I didn't like Oi out. And and here's why. Here's yeah, I didn't, and you know, like, I know I'm raising a bunch of 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 daughters who are oi out kind of people, but <laughs> but they in that the tone is see that's what okay so it's a nice juxtaposition because Ted in the next scene we'll we'll, we'll go into this a little bit but Ted doesn't have that like what whatever the thing that Rebecca has that allows her to sort of dehumanize people. And treat, and we're going to get into this later in this episode, certain ways she treats Higgins with good reason. You know, granted, we, she has perfectly good reason to, to be angry at Higgins. But there's this, I don't know, there's this ice queen version of, like, okay, let's, let's flip it around. We're, so the thing that we, that we react to positively, at least, all right, I'll speak for me. I won't speak for anyone else. Um, boss, let me explain how you feel about this. As <laughs> that sounds good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've got my notes ready. I'm, I'm okay, set. cool. Yeah. Um, no, no, just for me. Okay. I'm like, oh, I get oh, I out. And the moment I hear that, I'm like, oh, yes. I love that we flipped the script. I love that, like, Rebecca's empowered, that we have strong women who can be like, piss off. This is great. Like, so much of that is to me great. And you go, oh, this is a nice moment. But if we flip it and we go, a man, uh, 
you know, had a, had a, had a one night stand with a woman, the woman's in bed, the man goes, oi, out. You'd be like, oh, like, yeah. fuck, that is gross. Like, you are a pig. And so I was like, why are we thinking that's cool for a bit? I guess it's just because it's not comments. You say, like, oh, this is an amazing thing. But, like, in general, I think this show we're trying to focus on kind of, we always come back to the point of view of kindness and how people ultimately treat each other. Choices that everybody makes about their – remember when we started in the pilot, we said there are, to Ted, there are no small interactions. Mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. a small interaction, I think, that Rebecca – I don't want to say the word failed, but I, I wasn't mm. thrilled with the choice. Well, well I would say – it's. it's I, I hear you, and I guess my reaction to – well, I have a couple of reactions to it. One is that <clears throat> in terms of storytelling, I think there's a there's a cultural and a social context – always right and so yeah you're right if it were a man and you know you have to include all that that means societally and all that we're bringing to it so part of what i celebrated wasn't like what a fantastic way to treat a person with which with whom you've just shared an intimate moment it was how many times have i gotten to see a woman go yeah you've done you you've done your job piece of meat bye <laughs> like haven't seen that a ton and so that 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 was more um it for me am i saying that ultimately i think for all the women in the show and beyond that's like the best way to live no but i i that was more that was more what i was cheering like um it's not this so i'm not putting it on the same level as this but uh i i just thought of in the heat of the night when um when uh sydney portier slaps the, the sheriff back and it's like oh shit like a, a black man just slapped a white man like we'd seen people slap people on film we just hadn't seen a black man slap a white man on film that that was the now interesting part was unbelievable. I, I don't think i don't think we are like you know what black people should do just walk through the street slapping white people <laughs> here's an idea here's an idea right you know so that's 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 more where my reaction is is, is coming from but i i totally hear you on that that, you know, that's a great comparison. That is a great – because you do get that sense like, damn, you don't see that every day. Right. Right. I, so I agree with actually both of you on that, weirdly. I think it isn't something that we see all the time, a woman being very detached after having sex and being okay with not following a relationship up after that. I also don't think Rebecca did it the best way possible. What I actually thought was um, the Eddie Murphy movie Boomerang where yes. he sleeps with – Robin Gibbons, you know, yeah. So he has been sleeping with everybody he can get his hands on and he sleeps with her and thinks it's going to be something serious. And then the next morning she's like, Whoa, I needed that. All right. Well, this has been fun. See you again. Never. And leave. So like, I feel like (laughs) in that way, she wasn't trying to disrespect him or belittle him or marginalize him. It's just, it was seeing a woman not being overly attached to her sex partner. And then the scene being over. So I feel like it could have possibly been handled better, but I didn't necessarily hate it. I I don't remember much from Boomerang, but now that you mentioned that, that that does seem like a good comparison. I remember, I, I remember Eddie Murphy running across this, the highway. I think doing was that Boomerang when when he pretends that he lost his dog. That scene is that what it was? All I remember is is yeah. crying like and thinking I was going to die. I was laughing so hard that they have. Him. <laughs> they, they have him run across 
the highway. Uh, oh no, no, no! I, you're, I think you're thinking Bowfinger, but oh, bo- now we've really, we have really, it. yes, taken a departure. Wait, from what the, movie uh, were you guys talking about? Boomerang. Boomerang is uh, Halle Berry and um, Robin oh, Givens shit. and Eddie Murphy. I did not see that. that. I was stuck in a Bowfinger. That's so funny. Okay, Nadine, you can chop this out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I kind of want to keep yeah. it, except this is going to be eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, Oi out. Um, now we have Ted. Uh, we cut to Ted's room. And the juxtaposition of a different morning routine. And uh, boss, why don't you walk us through what's going on in Ted's room? So in Ted's room, uh, Ted is sitting in a chair that he's obviously pulled up near the bed, but not super close to it. He's um, like taken a shower and gotten himself together. He's ready to go. He actually gets the text from Beard with the picture of Nate saying that he's okay. And that sort of rouses Sassy. Uh, she wakes up and they're chatting. He says last night was, uh, she says last night was fun. And he actually said, oh yeah, five stars certified fresh, which, <laughs> wow. <laughs> of the things that you want to hear a dude that you just slept with say, I cannot <laughs> promise that is in the top 10. I mean, it is five stars. So but, yeah, that's, you did get all the stars. So I, I mean, I I I do like getting A's, but also that's a weird way of describing that situation. <laughs> it, but you know, it, it, they seem to be pleasant enough with each other. Um, he he tells her that he has to leave, but that she doesn't need to rush out because he went ahead and got her late checkout because Ted Lasso is nothing if not a gentleman. Um, I loved it. Yeah, man. Uh, she says she's going to stay in bed and then order a huge breakfast on his tab, which might go back a little bit to something that Coach Castleton was saying about her not paying for things, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. maybe that's just her charm. Maybe she gets away with that. Um, we also call, but- we also called out that she that calling it out does offset it. That might be part of her superpower is calling out her her own. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, Mucha. I feel like. I I uh I know some people can say like well I said that horrible thing because I'm an asshole and it loses its charm but I personally haven't reached that stage yet so I'm just going to keep doing it so I feel sassy a little bit in this like <laughs> as long as it's working I'm going to keep working it I get it I get it I'm still not sure how I feel about sassy but I do love that Ted says hey I'll be your underhills anytime I'm like that is a fletch joke Fletch. Oh, is that what that, that is? Fletch. I, I'm, I'm like, but I knew it right away. Like, this is my child. We're, we're talking about like, this is, this is, you know, iconic movies of, of growing up from, and I'm like, this, uh, oh, my, like a casual offhanded Fletch reference. I'm like, like there are so many possibilities in the world. Like someone knows me out there. Like, I'm like, I don't yeah. understand what I'm watching. It was amazing. It was an amazing moment. And I, and I will say that I thought the um, boy calling for an, a late checkout for someone that you had a one night stand mm-hmm. with is my God, that's a great sort of choice for <laughs> makes perfect. Like it's so beautiful for Ted. And also the way that everyone having a one night stand should treat their one night stand. That's, that's, that's the bar. That is the very lowest. If they're in your hotel room, you get them a late checkout. Yeah. I thought that was great. It made me think of, um, and I have no idea if this is actually 
true, but it's a, a, an apocryphal thing that apparently like Derek Jeter would get women like these like lovely like basket <gasps> gift things and send them to the, like two women, which apparently is part of how he never ended up in any scandals because everybody felt like they were treated like a queen, even if they never got to see him again. Now, I don't know if that's actually true. Uh, but I, I, it, this made me think of that where it's like, yeah, just be, you know, just be, just be nice. Be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Coach, I, have you seen that Derek, also, Derek Jeter hat, hat tipping thing when he, uh, when he retired? You ever see that? Yes. Yeah. The one of the kid tipping the hat back. It's like everybody tipping. They do like all the yes. people they go through and everybody yeah. tips the hat. And I was like, man, that is a, I saw it the other day again and I was like, poof, Jeter, man, Jesus. I'm a Red Sox fan, and even I – they had Red Sox fans begrudgingly tip their cap. And I'm like, yep, I get it. I totally get it. Like, somebody that good. Uh, but I didn't know that. I didn't know he sent them, like, swag oh. afterwards. I, again, it's a thing I heard. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, boss. Well, I was going to say I don't know if it's true, but I did hear from Jim Brockmeyer on the TV show Brockmeyer that he got the idea to make women care packages as he was sending them out the door from Derek Jeter. So that makes ah. I'm I'm feeling like that's probably actually. I remember that line. Yeah, that was good. You're right. If, I remember if, that a, if a fictional TV show tells me it's true, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> and there you mm-hmm. have it. And they in in this moment, and I don't don't want to hold you up, boss, as you're running through it. But I thought it was really interesting. One, like how dressed Ted is. Yeah, he's got on layers like he's got his jacket on like this is a guy who is protecting himself and he's holding his bag kind of in front of himself. Like, yeah, he's this is I don't know. I just thought that was very funny and just spoke to like where he is emotionally with this thing that he's like, what did I just do? (laughs) Um, I I wondered what we missed in the time it took for Ted to go get sassy a coffee. So. In my mind, I was thinking, yeah, he went, he's like, I got you a coffee. So he left the room to go get her a coffee. And I'm sure some part of him was like, God, I hope she doesn't wake up while I'm not there and have the wrong, like, did he write her a note explaining mm-hmm. that? You know what I mean? Like, what would Ted have mm-hmm. to, to handle mm-hmm. it? Then like, you know, crumple up the note and toss it away and sit there and wait. And I like that it was, he was there one or two hours and then a total of like, and then he totals them. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's three hours total. Three hours in total. You know, I had a slightly different take. Not mm. not the um, that he was super worried when he went to go get her coffee or whatever, but um, as a, a, a grown up who has had a certain number of one night stands, uh, the fact that he was already dressed and had his shoes on and was like literally ready to walk out the door means that as much as he was being respectful and making sure that she didn't feel like she needed to flee and wasn't oy outing him her, I should say, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that was an indication that there was not going to be any morning fooling around after the one night stand. Like what had happened uh, had happened and now it was done. And he was making sure it was done. Like that's, that is interesting. in some ways him owing himself out of bed. Ah, I like, interesting. So an emo- uh, emotional right. shield, visual shield. Yeah. Got it. Um, was I the only one who just didn't need to see, but really needed to know if the writing the mustache? <laughs> Moving on. Oh fuck! I just blew out everyone's levels. Ah oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so so worth it so worth it i've already told my wife how much i love your laugh by the way just so you know that's a thing oh thanks you're very (laughs) wrong on that but i appreciate it (laughs) so now um ted uh ted takes off and we roll titles and we're only about 20 minutes in so that's great Mm -hmm. this is way ahead of time yeah Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> the bus pulls in to the dog track back from Everton. Nate is the first one out running to puke and Beard grabs Ted and he says, you know, a five hour bus ride where you didn't talk a lick. And that's a record by about five hours. And, and <laughs> that's, that's that. pretty funny. Uh, Ted's a little t- Ted's a little shook. And uh, and then what does he say there, coach? That he's going to tell him something. And but he doesn't ever want to talk about it ever. Okay. No, no jokes. No knowing glances. Okay. And 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 of course, Beard is 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 trusted pal. Says great. And then uh, he says that he slept with Rebecca's friend Sassy. To which Beard immediately, because he knows Ted, says, "You want to talk about it?" And Ted says, "I'd love to." Yeah. Immediately, it <laughs> takes off for the office. And I I I just I I don't understand. I, I so enjoyed. His honest answer, because clearly he would, it, probably anyone would, certainly Ted does. And um, the fact that Beard is like, yeah, blah, 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 no talking. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll grab the coffee. Uh, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. I think Beard was genuinely worried about Ted. Like, that's a that's a long time to sit on a bus yeah. Yeah. with Ted, like, right. hugging his bag or whatever he was doing in the, you know, like, <laughs> trying to process the whole thing. It's really funny. Um, we cut to Keely finding Roy in the treatment room and uh, walk us through that, boss. I mean, I can, but I'm going to um, reserve my right to cross-examine the witness at a later time. Uh, what I'll say is that Keely comes into the treatment room. She makes a joke about how uh, she thought that the room was haunted, but uh, they cleared that up. Uh, she asks if it's a good time to talk. And he says, yeah, the Gail who's working at his leg, the physical therapist can't hear anything because of her murder podcast. And then she says, always last- murder podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, like- I, I, even if we're fighting, I do appreciate that. Uh, Roy Kent seems to share the same disdain for murder podcasts that I do. <laughs> Not a fan. Um, it, but she, you know, it sort of gingerly says, uh, last night was nuts. And he indicates something to the effect of, yeah, everybody got pretty drunk. And she says she could really get a, use a coffee for her hangover and asks if he wants to get one. And he says, oh, no, I'm busy. And that's it. Yeah. Doesn't follow up on that. Yeah. And then instead, a second later yeah. says, she's about to start working on my hamstring and I'm going to make noises. And I don't like people to hear my noises. And basically tells her to leave. So uh, we can break down this scene, yeah. but um, yeah. I'm going to have words for later because there's something else <laughs> that comes up that impacts the scene, from my understanding. Well, I, w- I want to hear where you're going to go, so I'm not going to say too much about it. I will toss in that I thought him saying, I don't like people hearing my noises. Um I thought it was funny. One, two, I've been in a situation where I, I got a massage like for an injury. And really, I've got to think from outside the door, people thought several <laughs> laws were being broken in that massage uh, establishment. Um, but so I thought that was funny. But I thought it was him like she's still not in the inner sanctum. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
like that's all good sounds great all right now that like the noises are gonna start so like this is the imperfect part of me you gotta go and i thought that was uh i thought it was an interesting way to show that i mean it's it's indicative of the fact that he sort of knows he's done a little work that he, to the point where he knows he doesn't like people hearing his noises <laughs> i was like that's right that's cool a lot of people don't know that they don't like that they'll just sit in the awkwardness and then stew about it later and he's like no no i I know this is something I don't like about myself. I don't like when people hear my noises. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> damn. Uh, okay, so... Um, also, her subtlety is totally lost on Roy. So he's not, you know, he's not clueless as a man, but, like, she knows she knows where to find coffee, dude. Like, she didn't come find you in the training room because she needs you to guide her to a cup of coffee. Like, like, how how are you missing this? So I just thought that was great that like as much as Roy is like figuring it out and he's not a child, right? He's not vanilla vodka child, but he's still not like far enough along to get this, which I thought was funny. I will have redirect on this. <laughs> I'm I'm very I'm very I cannot interested. wait. Yeah, like I I want to. Can I fast forward it through reality? Like that's what I want to do right now. I just want to fast forward through reality to what you're going to go after. Okay. Anyway, we will get there. We will get there. All right. So now we cut to the the office where uh, Ted, Nate, and Beard are talking about one night stands, and you know Ted talks about how if you're nuts for butts, have at it. And <laughs> nuts for butts. Um, that's that's about it. It's about as uh, sex or sexual as Ted gets. Nuts for butts. Right. Um. And uh, why don't you walk us through this scene, uh, boss? So, God, I love the scene. As much as the last scene annoyed me, the scene I loved. Um, my absolute favorite line is Beard saying, did you have fun? And Ted sort of waffling on that. And Beard saying, coach, did you have fun pounding the table? Like, mm-hmm. everything else mm-hmm. aside, did you enjoy yourself or not? And he says, yes. And Beard's kind of like, well, there you go. And Nate actually is the one that steps in and said, uh, did she have fun? And he says, Dad, yeah, she had fun too, I guess. And they say, so what's the problem? And the rest of the conversation I really loved so much, but I love that that was actually the answer right in the middle of the conversation. Like, mm-hmm. what's the problem? She's a consenting adult. You're a consenting adult. You both enjoyed each other. It, like, who cares? What's the problem with this? And, and then, it, I mean, Ted understandably says that he's having a hard time coming to these with the fact that he went from having a mental breakdown at a karaoke joint in Liverpool to sleeping with a woman who just, he, who he just met and somewhere in the middle of that getting a divorce. Legitimately, that is a lot for one evening. If you've only been able to to deal with it for about five hours, although Beard's argument that it makes sense to him also compelling to me, like, if Beard says that that's a normal thing, I'm uh, inclined to agree with him on it. I mean, it's also what, what we're not what they don't touch on. They brush right past it. Is sort of a um, morality thing, you know, sort of Midwestern morality thing. Maybe I don't know. No, yeah, that absolutely. I mean, I can't prove. That Michelle was the only woman that Ted's ever slept with. But if they met in college and they got married sometime after and had a child, I'm guessing he didn't sleep with a lot of women prior to Michelle. And he says that he's never had a one night stand before. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, at least that it would need to be something that 
he would need to process, even if he weren't super into, you know, the puritanical views on sex and anything else, it might be something to process. We never really talked about the fact that Sassy Smurf took 18 professional footballers to a bar, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Which where Mm -hmm. she could have had her pick of Mm -hmm. like some, like, I'm pretty sure, I think it was Ted calling Isaac Rodan on Mm -hmm. in cleats, right? Yeah. And she passed all of these specimens, uh, Richard, Zorro. Zorro is just beautiful. My God. So yep. many. So mm-hmm. many. Danny Rojas. She passed, she passed mm-hmm. 18 six packs up to come find Magnum, Magnum PI. So kind of like that about her. I, I was curious, boss, as I was rewatching this, um, what would, did you have a reaction? And if so, what was your reaction to Nate? Kind of of all the characters who you would kind of assume Mr. You know, I'm free every night, doesn't have a ton of experience with women, um, that his question was, did she have fun? Mm-hmm. And just how like in that room, like that was clearly a the the next pertinent question. I mean, it was it wasn't like, huh? It was because I feel like even in the context of that you would expect the quote locker room talk to be more around like, Oh yeah, she had fun. I did this to her and I did that to her, which was not the, yeah. it, it was not the tone of it. It wasn't like she had fun, which proves what a, what a man I am. It, the question came from, and the answer came from like, yeah, that's important. And let's make sure that that happened. So anyway, I was just curious what your reaction. I thought it was great. I, so my thinking is Beard's primary concern. 99% of the time is going to be Ted. Especially like within the construct of the show and also given that he just signed his divorce papers and Beard knows sort of the state he's in, Beard's primary focus is going to be Ted. I don't think that Beard would ever be unconcerned with making sure that the woman in a sexual encounter has a good time, but that was not his primary concern at the moment. What he needed to drive home was you had fun, you enjoyed yourself, you don't need to feel bad about this. It makes sense to me that both Higgins or Nate would be concerned about making sure that Sassy enjoyed herself. But I thought it might be a bit more of a generational thing that Nate would have been taught to be more aware of, you know, obtaining affirmative consent and that there becomes a certain point where it's not just about what men get to do to women, but what men are able to do to women in terms of sex. Mm -hmm. And I think Nate would be more, cognizant of you should make sure that she got off to like yeah. more so than Higgins, just because of a generational thing. But I thought it was great. Yeah, that makes I sense. think that if they hadn't done that, I would have been a little disappointed in the show. So I trusted that they would, but yeah, I thought it was great. If they hadn't done what check that she had a good time. Yes, please. Like that's important. What I what I thought was fun. Cut, cut to uh, the the wife of Coach Castleton sharpening yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. with a with a cricket bat. <laughs> right. Um, I I um, I really enjoyed Ted's head shaky thing when they asked if she had time mm-hmm. because in that moment he was like, you know, I think so. Like it wasn't arrogant. It wasn't like, yeah, I'm kidding me. Like, you know, it wasn't that. Like, of course she had fun. And it wasn't also like, oh, I have no, you know, oh, I was a total failure. He was like literally going through the 
like, yeah, you know, I, th- I remember this moment, this moment. I just thought it was a really good, honest sort of head shaky kind of thing, which also made Nate like sick a little bit <laughs> watching. Which was so funny. And then we get another moment, a uh, little on that, which is um, Ted says, should I tell Rebecca? And everyone's, no, no, no. And he goes, oh, come on now. It'd break my heart if she found out, if I found out she was hiding something from me. And Higgins goes, yeah. of course, he's like, ah. And, and which makes which makes Nate gag too. Was, this I, is so funny. I, I I loved all of it, but it's it, to me it's a, a perfect uh, encapsulation of what the show constantly does. Right, like a hangover nauseous joke. Like really, right? Like come on, that that could be hacky beyond hacky. And somehow, right. once you get it in the mix of all the, these very real stories and very real emotions and Higgins and what we know he's dealing with and like, oh, you're about to get your heart broken then, my friend. Um, all of that, then it works. And it's funny. So anyway, I, I love that moment. Then we have Roy poke his head in. And he's like, <laughs> what's happening? Already. Right? What's happening? You having a meeting? Uh, yeah, I'm having lady problems. You know, I'd love to get your perspective on. No, oh, God. <laughs> I was like, that is so. God, Roy, my God, I, I'm getting very, very nervous to hear about the takedown of Roy that's about to happen in this episode. Oh. I know. he's 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 a he, he is a dead, dead man, man walking. walking. No, uh, no, 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 no. But- just to clear up, I would still find him like a tree, and this part made me laugh every time that I watched it. Again, the three times that I watched it this morning, I I don't hate Roy. I very much still love him with all of my heart and other parts of my body. I just have a bone to pick with him. All right, that's fine. I'm thinking about well, Roy. I, I'm thinking I, about I, Roy I, on the red carpet, going, "No, no, mm-hmm. fuck off, fuck you, no, no." Well, here's here's what I I liked about this in particular, and that it was Roy, and what we already know is going on with him is that he. This is to me. This is the locker room reimagined. This whole diamond dogs meeting time talking, you know, did she enjoy herself? It's the locker room reimagined and him literally at the border between the locker room and this new brand of locker room where, you know, people celebrate that. I always thought I'd be great to sit around with my mates and talk about feelings. Like, what are you talking about? And, and he's, he he he's attracted in to a certain degree, but then he's out. Like it's too much. Like I, so I think it's, we're watching Roy decide. Like, am I going to be part of this reimagined in quotes locker room, or am I going to stay the guy who like tells everybody "fuck you, fuck you"? Like, am I going to be that guy? Um. So anyway, I I, I thought that was. A lot I of think fun. I think you're giving him too much too much credit there, Coach. But that's fine. I don't think there's a. Pr- Why? What do you What did you think? Well, I think he. <laughs> but the, listen obnoxiousness like this that Roy has only comes from a a you know he's got a, a, he's got a spot on the pedestal by being a legendary footballer he can get away with this type of ornery behavior otherwise you're sort of ostracized in polite society um if you're mm-hmm, this person mm-hmm. and you then you're just, uh, you know sort of you know labeled as a prick and sort of left left on the side of the road by humanity but um, he can get away with this and it's, it's got a quirky charm to it. I don't think like the second he saw this, he's like, no, no. Like it was like a non-starter goodbye. And the only reason he, and we're jumping ahead, which, which is, we probably shouldn't, but the only reason that he sort of 
ends up even remotely connected to this reimagined locker room. I love that, by the way. This is exactly, you're exactly right about that. Um, is that he's sort of trapped in it. You know, I don't think, I don't mm. think he's, this is part of, he would have yeah, and I think he call, and I think he calls it out too. But anyway, we can, we can, yeah, we can yeah. explore that a little bit. Were you going to say something, boss? Uh, no. <laughs> Not on this part. You guys had much better thoughts on this part than I did. Well, that's a first. Okay, so <laughs> yes, seriously. Whew, look at us. I had a boy was, coach. I, honestly, yeah. all I thought was the way he says no is super funny. I laughed a bunch. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, Ted, can I be honest with you? You seem intent on going 12 rounds with yourself. Why? What did you do wrong? Um, a lot of people do that. I thought that was a great line by Higgins. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get that beautiful moment um, where Coach Beard says, he's right, time to get you some of these. And sa- Ted says, what, scissors? And what does Nate say, boss? Yeah, to cut yourself some slack. And Beard like points at him and, and it's like <laughs> this, right? It's this nice magic. Right. And then Ted recognized, he's like, whoa, wow, y'all stuck the landing on that. That was nice. Like, yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like crack for Ted. If if this were a Slack channel instead of a locker room where they were talking, somebody would have posted an alley-oop gif because that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Perfect. Did you notice the music cue? I mean, I th- like this really was a significant moment in the show. In this episode, and I think in the season, um, where because it seems to me that throughout we watch we, the the first version of it we watch is with Beard and Ted, and I think you know um, when we get Caesar you later when people can be on this vibe verbally with one another and have this like really quick dance with one another. That's one of the ways this show shows us a level of. Um, intimacy, closeness, attraction, not always sexual. Um, so I thought I thought this was the music you said to me, you're not making it up. There's some significance to this. Um that 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 we're now seeing this group of people just play off each other. And yeah, the Ali gift would be would be perfect. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think if this had been between Sassy and Ted, it would have been considered flirty witty banter. Like Correct. that's definitely the, the the cadence that's going here. So Ted says, "I'll tell you what, I'm going to get some, I'm get y'all some satin jackets made with Ted Lasso's personal dilemma squad, embroidered on the back there." <laughs> and I like how Beard just shakes it off like a like a catcher, just or like a pitcher t- uh, shaking off a bad uh, bad right. call from a catcher. Yeah. yeah, yes, we're right back to that. We're back to that. And then. Uh, we get the he he suggests the EQ Warriors, which I was just like, wow, this is a progressive show. Dear God, My you got one coach. You want to explain what EQ is? Well, I mean, just like IQ, um, your intelligence quotient. We're talking about emotional quotient, right? So even the the fact that every no one in this room goes, what does EQ mean? Like it just speaks to that they've thought they've heard of the 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 term. They've thought about the term to the point that it could be uh, pertinent to them, to it being said in this in this room and, and as part of this show. But also the EQ warriors. Like they're not the EQ crew. The EQ warriors is the suggestion, which I thought like 
that's a whole other way of thinking about and talking about what it is to be a warrior. And I think as an extension of that, what it means to be a man, like actually the thing that we all like think, you know, when Nate says, Oh, I've always wanted to sit around, you know, that is an acknowledgement that like, yeah, but that's actually what we are. Like you, you actually were ahead of everybody. We didn't even know we needed this space and this reimagined locker room. You've been thinking it for years and here we are, you know, potentially called the EQ Warriors. So I, I, yeah, I slow clap for EQ Warriors. I, I love it. And it's a, it's a personal thing with me because I always like, I get really frustrated that people are only measured by IQ. It drives me absolutely crazy. And I have this, you know, you have EQ, emotional quotient, you have CQ, which is creative quotient. You have all these mechanisms where you can unlock the potential of a child. And one of the things that kills me, absolutely kill, or a human, or an adult, doesn't have to be a child, but that's when we sort of start with the IQ stuff. One of the things I always wonder is like, I always feel like everybody has unique gifts. And, and I always like, one of like my great laments about the world is that we don't have a mechanism to subject everyone to everything so that we can unlock their natural natural gifts. So you could have like a kid who is an amazing drummer, but he never picks up drumsticks. Or you could have someone that can, you know, whittle and he never picks up a, a knife to whittle something. Or, you know, like there's all kinds of pursuits that people are not exposed to. You, you, there's, you, you just never know what somebody's going to be amazing at. They could be an artist. They could be a thinker. They could be, they could be how they do pattern recognition. There's, there's so many ways that people can excel and so many people are never exposed to the potential thing that they could be great at that could give them meaning in life. And I always get so worked up over that. And um, so I really loved the reference to EQ warriors. Um, I just thought it was just, it's just, again, when, when you recognize that avatar of someone that make that you feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm seen, this is the type of, you know, we're trying to be this type of person. Um, it's pretty awesome. I also, uh, I'm sorry. And, and I, I promise to let us get to the next scene, but I have, I have a 15 year old son. You, you both know that. Um, and it's very smart, but EQ always like, since he could barely speak, it was clear to me EQ off the charts, CQ off the charts. And it, it enrages me that not only that society overemphasizes IQ. And again, he's very smart. It's not a matter of not being smart, but the other two I think are off the charts. And, but then I think we teach people not to value it about themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that Absolutely. I think is the criminal part. That that's like criminal. Yeah. That's horrible. And so that's you you're you're really singing my song when you start talking about what we don't give people a chance to like expand on and, and really explore and see as important because the the stuff that makes, you know, organizations work the stuff that may, I mean, what we're learning is it's all the stuff you're, you're talking about that's getting ignored, not, you know, Oh, you can memorize or regurgitate on a test or any of the other things that seem to be what we stress when we put kids in the building and say, go take these classes. So anyway, yeah, I think it's, really it's not like it's being yeah. downplayed coach. It's being ignored. Yeah. It's not like you, well, that's Absolutely. the whole thing. We don't expose them to. And, and, you know, you look at someone who's a great leader. It's not IQ. Yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine how low uh, Boss's IQ is, but her EQ is Mm -hmm, (laughs) super. No, no, no. no. This is all accurate. That's what people say about me. (laughs) All right. So we also get the Knights of Support. Um, 
which mm-hmm. gets gets shut down because it sounds like a brand of jockstrap. And and uh, this is great. Um, talk about social commentary. Uh, Higgins, what what name does he offer up, Coach? The proud, the boys. proud boys. And then yeah, and then what happens? Nate, Nate vomits. vomits. Nate, Nate, Nate speaks for all of us. <laughs> Nate, <laughs> we are all Nate in that moment. Are you kidding me? The proud boys, please. <laughs> Talk about the difference between EQCQ and IQ. My God, anyway. they really uh, they really ruined that name too. Wasn't that the name of your uh, acapella group, the Proud Boys? that was on the show. Yeah, that's that's the thing, though. Since the recording and even airing of the show, I think Twitter has reclaimed the Proud Boys as predominantly gay men at Pride parades. Yes. So it now yes. Proud Boys would be fine, I think. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's still got the, the stink on it, but. But yes, and that that claiming of that hashtag was one of the great moments in social media history. But we don't need to go too far down that road. But yes, I am with you, mm-hmm. boss. That was awesome. Awesome. So Nate suggests the Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs. And boy, right away. um, that's a it's it's just something that uh Ted is like that's it you know he slaps the table the diamond dogs like bam done sold um and that was a great moment now we cut to uh oh Higgins house before we diamond dogs it mm-hmm. is and then Higgins house again I'm I'm always just I just love Higgins having from him being out in the wilderness for so long working for Rupert probably always worried mm-hmm. about you know, this disgusting, nauseating alpha male and uh chewing on pen caps. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's a great point. Right. That's that's a nervous tick. <laughs> that is that is a sign of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um to then having to to worry about you know his tenure with uh with Rebecca and having to change, you know, how he's wronged her. I mean, I mean God, it's just so nice that he has this this group. Um, so we cut to uh, Keely waiting for Roy, uh, and she's at home. I just want to talk. You know, we don't go into this too much, but if you look at that shot, that is a beautiful shot. You just look at shot composition; it tells a story. Mm-hmm. We just have the one. If you just have a still, you would see her with half a glass of wine, laptop open. She's looking at her phone. She's got a foot up on the chair. Um, it's the lighting is beautiful. It's soft, but. Uh, they also have the depth of field behind the table, which all cinematographers love. They're always looking for depth. Um, and I was just like, God, the laptop is lighting her face, but they clearly didn't, you, you know, it's not blue light lighting her face, mm-hmm. which, which, which would bleach her out. It's this soft fill light. And you're just like, I was just like, wow, that is a lovely shot. And, um, anyway, I wanted to call it out. The doorbell rings. And who is it, boss? It's Jamie. It's Jamie Tart. In town because they're playing West Ham, apparently, which I am guessing is also a Premier League club. Oh, God, yeah. Jesus. Are they, <laughs> are they ever? Are they ever? Like, eventually when we get into, like, some, at some point we're going to go through the Premier League teams and talk about this. And, and the, I mean, West Ham is, like, these are some serious, serious fans. And the songs are, are iconic. And, um, you know, they're, like – I'm trying to think of how what the I don't know if it'd be the it would be Jets fans or Raiders fans. I'm trying to think of like the the, hmm. the yeah maybe Raiders. I don't know. There's there's a there's a comp for football. I'd have to think about, but they're they're 
They're a very, very strong, very uh, loud fan base. So is West Ham one of the teams that was the Dallas Cowboys, or are they one that was the pickup, or are they Jennifer Lawrence? No, nothing on that one. Wait, what? <laughs> I got lost. I got lost. I, I was like, wait, my, what? I, you, you just fried my brain. This is you your brain guys, on drugs. I'm like, wait, you guys, Dallas Cowboys, the, the pickup Jennifer Lawrence. That's from the original commercial when they did Ted Lasso and Coach Beard is trying to teach Ted which all of the Premier League clubs. And he's like, oh, I got to associate it with something I know. So there's a team that used to be great. Everybody either loves them or hates them. Dallas Cowboys. Or they used to be great. They haven't God. won in a long time. Also the Dallas Cowboys. I remember that now. God. Yeah. yeah so nicely done. You got, I'm sorry. You, got, you guys are apparently not sweating um, Beard's slightly shaggier, longer look the same way that I am. Because I've watched that commercial <laughs> a lot. <laughs> that was that was a softball, and we just just swung and missed, like completely whiffed. Totally, it, sorry that's about all right. That, Those boss. softballs are so small and hard to get to. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, okay, well, anyway, so she's waiting for for uh, for Roy to get in touch with her. He hasn't responded to her text. Jamie rings the doorbell. He's in town because they played West Ham. And take it away, boss. Jamie is there. He says he wanted to talk because everything happened so fast when Lasso dumped me. Mm. And God bless him. Jamie's heart is going to win me over at some point, And I'm not <laughs> about it. Uh, <laughs> Keely tries to push back. She says, he didn't dump you. Man City wanted you back. And Jamie says, he could, Lasso could have stopped it. But he didn't. Yeah, he just let me finish. Yeah. <sighs> Poor little Jamie's heart, I guess. Finally, I'm coming around on it. What he really was there to say was not to talk about Ted Lasso and how Ted Lasso abandoned him and, uh, you know, probably triggered his abandonment issues, but instead to say that he's dated a lot of girls, but that Keeley saw an even greater Jamie inside an already great Jamie. That he, <laughs> she tried to make him cultured. She took him to plays and shit, even though he hated it. And he explained, it's just because it's confusing. They do all these emotional things, make you feel all these emotional ways. <laughs> and then they get mad at you when you're try, trying to shout at them to talk them out during the performance. <laughs> Which, uh, having had to watch my younger brother's uh, performance of Phantom of the Opera, I sort of understand. I wanted to shout things and I had to refrain. Not in a good way, but I did want to shout. Um, and then the scene sort of ends, you know she's feeling a little bit tender and asks if he wants to come in for a drink. And all of a sudden it dawns on him. Oh wait, unless you mean not a drink. And then they talk a little bit about the way that he used to sex her with weird things, including the squirrel because he had a little nut, didn't he? <laughs> uh, and then they go upstairs and have some sex. That's how the scene ends. Well, so this is interesting because there's this moment. Let's unpack this as they say. Sure. Um, there's this little beat where, um, he, he says, so thank you for that. Like, and it's like maybe the first time he's ever thanked her for anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's like, you're welcome, Jamie. Like she's, she's surprised. And then he turns to go and she has this moment. And I think she finds inside herself, whether it's, I, I don't know if it's localized on him, but she has this pang of like, uh, 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 like she doesn't want him to go. And she's probably as surprised about it as anyone. Um, and she strikes up this thing, you know, it's the first time you've been here without some weird sex emoji, like the eggplant or the mm -hmm. squirting water or the little squirrel. Um, 
And then I love when she's like, you want to have a drink with me? And he's like, uh, nah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. He's so yeah. dumb. He doesn't realize, again, vodka drinking child. <laughs> that, that, that he has piqued her interest with his uh, honesty and, and, and with his kindness and with his uh, uh, very real um, thanking of her, um, you know, his gratitude. And um, he misses it. And he's like, right. He's literally walking out the door. And he's like, unless you mean by drink, you mean. Uh, which is so funny. So that's how you get sex by not trying for sex. Sometimes that is exactly how it works. And then up they go. Now. I, yeah. Coach weigh in. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of things going on here. And I think a lot of this episode starts revolving around sex and intimacy, their relationship and the differences. Um, and, and it plays out in all sorts of ways or relationship, you know, when the diamond dogs have their meeting and we're talking about that, and we're talking about sex and intimacy, but there's a certain intimacy between them in the room. Um, and here, I think he sends, he sends that eggplant with the squirt and he gets nada. Mm-hmm. Like it, right? Like it's she, like th- it's this version of him that she's willing to have come upstairs with her. Um, and I, and I, I like that he, kind of gets it because it almost feels like he's like okay next time no eggplant emoji like he doesn't he doesn't totally get why like like he's like a guy who like just like flipped a switch he's never seen electricity work before and he's like oh my god god came inside like he doesn't understand like how this all works or why she would be turned on but he's like ah oh, this is interesting i've discovered this new thing so he's sort of like stumbling into it um, but I like that we see that it's there and it is like a light bulb for him. It's a, it's a little bit of a light bulb moment. He's got a ways to go to really get it, but he, it's a little bit of a light bulb moment. Like my sense is he does not run out when she's sleeping in the morning and get her a cup of coffee. Right. Like, I don't think we're there with Jamie. Definitely no, not yet. Low yes. wattage light bulb. Yes. Yeah. Very I think, dim. I think what right. was interesting is. Jamie seemed, you know, like exactly what you're saying, Coach Bishop, is that it's Jamie sort of starting to understand why it is that women are attracted to honesty, but not necessarily abrasiveness. Like he was mm-hmm. honest when he sent the eggplant emoji because what he wanted to do was have sex. But that wasn't right. the thing that Keely was going to respond to because that it's not even that it seems vulgar and that vulgar is bad. It's just that it seems lazy, I guess. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, at least in this case, he was putting in the effort to try to make his emotions, his emotional state up front and be honest about it. And I think that's what she was responding to. And it's really interesting to me that he didn't know that that was going to be a panty dropper for her. Like, I'm sorry, I said right. the P word, everybody. I shouldn't have done that. But um, yeah, <laughs> that, that this, that that would be a turn on because he was being emotionally honest and vulnerable but see i think part of it too is like who's it for right and even the conversation around you know but did she have fun right i mean i think yes. like mm-hmm. he goes that he doesn't go there to say hey i i'm i'm still thinking about how ted lasso hurt my feelings tell me how great i am again he's there to say thank you it's about mm-hmm. her yeah and that's new you know yeah i don't think a lot of their relationship was about her for him mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. 
<laughs> right. What's that? What's that old thing about relationships? It's like a great partner is not how you feel about them, but how they make you feel about yourself when you're with them or something along those lines. Ah, yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah. That's I te- accurate. I, te- I haven't heard that exactly, but yeah, that, that, that feels Well, great. I just made it up. Let's just say I d- invented it. So. Yeah. A wise man once said, and that wise man yeah. was you. Hello. Right. Um, okay. So yeah, I forget where I heard that, but it's, it's great. Um, okay. So um, Ted knocks on Rebecca's door. We're, the next morning, Ted knocks on Rebecca's door. He brings her this time. He brings her what coach, not just biscuits, biscuits and truffles. Wow. For which he calls him a fucker, which I thought was great. (laughs) (laughs) Like just such an, like, yeah, only your good friends. Can you call a fucker loving? Right. Right. And he tries to coach her about how to consume them. And she's already way ahead of him. And she loves them. Oh, you're already, you're, you're already making a breakfast sandwich for yourself there. Yep. Two biscuits and a truffle. Yeah, she's a sharp cookie. A little mystery puzzle there for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he thanks her profusely for Liverpool, tells her she's got a coupon for life, and to think of, of him as her own personal metaphorical St. Bernard. Um, I thought that was cute. And, mm-hmm. and she says, like, listen, actually, if you're serious, I have a terrible meeting I'm not looking forward to, two minority owners – uh, they own two percent, uh, two point nine percent of the club, the Milk Sisters, and he makes a two percent milk joke, and I'm like, oh god, it's going to be one of those episodes. Just kill me now. I got to jump in and say it's a pun intentional scene. Come on, come on. It is where I started clapping to myself very quietly. Yes, 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 yes. I, I've been holding. I, I have been holding that <laughs> comment since we got on the line together. Like I was like, "Don't waste it. Don't waste it in the pre-show conversation. You got to save it, Orlando." So, like brave that was for you, boss. Hold, hold. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love uh, it so much. Pun intentional. Wow. Pun intended. Pun intended. What do you call it? Pun intentional. Pun intentional, yeah. Like Ugh. unintentional, except it's a pun, so you meant to do it. Oh, that's what it is? Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. But I'm saying that with a, with a look of <laughs> utter contempt on my face. There you go. Yes. Um, yes. I, yes. I, yes. I am eating your tears. Yeah. They're delicious. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. Okay. So, um, ugh. Ugh. shake it off. Shake it off. Move on, people. This can still be a good pod- podcast. <laughs> Um, Keely is now we're, we're, we're over to, um, Keely, um, interviewing for, oh, well, Ted, sorry, Ted agrees to go to the, the thing later with, with Rebecca. And then we cut to Keely. She's in the, um, the press room. She's interviewing, uh, you know, the players for endorsements. I think it's interesting because Colin is so empty headed. He wants, he wants to endorse Air Jordans. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that is fucking hysterical. That is hysterical. That the product that he wants to endorse is Michael Jordan's product. Do uh, football players not wear basketball shoes a lot? This this might be a a sports ball thing that I'm unfamiliar with. (laughs) Grab a a pair of basketball boots. Yes. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're (laughs) a bunch of, bunch of sneakerheads. So then, um, uh, Sam chimes in. He wants to do product, uh, you know, pro environment, issue based products, pro environment, et cetera. 
Um, and also Air Jordans, but he does not want to sleep with them the way Colin does, <laughs> which is Sam is so charming. Isaac, <laughs> Isaac only wants to do what, coach? What does Isaac want to promote? Rolos, which, what? Like, I have a lot of candy debates that go on in my life, particularly on my Facebook page. Uh, there's a whole situation around yellow starburst I don't even want to get into because oh, we're not ready for wow. that kind of explosive oh, yeah. political conversation on this show. Wow. Okay. Uh, All right. but, but, but yeah, I'm a fan of yellow starburst and there's some very uh, close-minded individuals who come after me for it. But the, his level of conviction around... Sour Patch Kids, which, by the way, we know for a fact Ted loves um, because that's what you fall into when you fall out of the lucky tree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was absurd and hilarious for me. But yes, Rolos or nothing for Isaac. Yeah, not not sweets or chocolates, just Rolos. Mm-hmm. Just, just Rolos, right. And, and, and also, pa- Coach, everyone is wrong about the Yellow Starburst, and you are correct. They are delicious. See, you, you mm-hmm. see, I knew I was home. I just mm-hmm. knew when I found this group of people, I was home. Here we Wait, go. Let me let me. So we got to stay on on topic here, but for one second, just tell me, like, is that the only fruit based candy that you will eat? Oh no! Oh no! I, oh, I love no. a fruit based yeah. candy. Hmm. I I have a nut allergy, which I think has made me embrace any candy that won't kill me. Like it pretty much like mm-hmm. people complain about Milky Way. I'm like, there's nothing to complain about people. It's delicious. It is mm-hmm. delicious. It's one. So yeah. But yeah, fruit based Skittles, Sour Patch Kids, yes. any of it. I, I am in. Mm-hmm. Same. I, uh, I feel like I stopped eating fruit based candy when I was like, I don't know, 11. Oh. And I migrated to chocolates, but I, 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 but I don't know. I guess there's a there's a thing. And Milky Way is nougat and disgusting. <sighs> well, I mean, you already said you're a, a Red Sox fan, so I I don't understand <laughs> why I'm disappointed. It's fine. We know, already listen, hit our low water mark. I, yeah, I mean, but no, it's okay. Listen, you got a nut allergy, so you can never you can never experience the joy of a good Snickers bar. That's no. Uh, I get it. No. So then you gotta you gotta gather your rosebuds while you may. I mean, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I, I actually, I, most of my family loves fruit based or fruit related candies, like yeah, Starburst and yeah, you know, Skittles and all those things. And I'm like, ah, just I'm, for some reason, I don't know why. I, like, stopped eating them a lot a long time ago. I don't know. Don't you know, don't have weird. joy in your life. Is yeah, that what it seriously. is? Seriously, yeah, I, I think, so. think so. God damn it! I knew I was missing something. So Isaac wants to promote Rolos and then in walks Roy and walk us through this coach. So he walks in, he invites Keely to a movie to which her response is what the fuck's wrong with you. And I do. And I, and I intentionally include the expletive there because we know what's happened since he saw her last. And she's like, Oh my God, you you ruined this. In that moment, that's the way I take it. If she's like, if I had known you were going to ask me to go to a movie today, I wouldn't have done what I did last night. Um, mm-hmm. So at any rate, uh, she's confused by him, understandably. What about the kiss? I love that she talks about the fact that she was on fire. He agrees, to which she then again has to underscore. So what is your fucking problem, Roy? Um, 
And he explains, which is that he's a professional footballer. Hold he's on, hold on. Before you, before you go, before you go down that road, I just want to say, mm-hmm. I really loved her line of "I was on fire." Mm-hmm. Yes, I was like, that is so. I, I was on fire. You took <laughs> off like it was a shit kiss, and it was not a shit kiss. It was not a shit kiss. And what I what I like about I was that on to fire. me is like it's like it's, a, yeah. She it sounded to me like someone who'd gone over something. A thousand different ways. Like right. she, she tried to dissect the moment. Was it the kiss? She, well, I checked my breath. Mm-hmm. I know it wasn't my breath. Like she'd gone over this and over this, and she's seriously, what's wrong with you? So yeah, I, I, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I'm a professional footballer. I've had a million one night stands. So have I. Great. I don't know why we're bragging about it. Neither do I. I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional footballer. I've had a million one night stands. So have I. Great. I don't know why we're, bra- why we're bragging about it. Oh my god, it kills me. Neither do I. She has this hysterical look on her face. Neither do I. Um, so funny. Um, and then keep going, coach. And they always feel empty, and they always leave him feeling empty. Um, and, and then he, but he has again honesty. Well, not the first part. And then she agrees. <laughs> No, at first they're wicked. Which again, I'm like, God, that's great. Yes, like you know, let's be honest. That there's a reason why they keep happening in life, right? And then um, they're fucking great. But when it's all done, I feel like shit. And she's even in with him on the like shit. So as interestingly, this again, intimacy, sex, like this scene, and actually where we're about to, you know, go later with them, and that this scene may be as intimate though obviously not as sexual, as what could have happened the night of the kiss, right? Like, they are on the same wavelength. Um, And I thought that was important in terms of their relationship progressing. Yeah, absolutely. I The only thing that... I, I think everything you said is dead on. The only thing that I'll add is that when she said, uh, what the fuck is wrong with you? It, part of that was what had happened with Jamie and that... For me, it also is, especially um, there have been times in my life where I've hooked up with a coworker of sorts, uh, specifically in college. And there's a weird kind of dynamic where it's like, oh, well, we're friends and we're hanging out and then something happens and we're not exactly sure what's going on after that. And then they start treating you like a friend or coworker or whatever. It, so there's this whole mental gymnastics thing that you go through where you're mm. like, oh, okay, well, so... Maybe there's an attraction, but it's not enough for a relationship. So we're just going to go back to being friends. And I asked you out for coffee and you said no. And now you're coming in and asking me on a date. So it's not just like things have changed since you and I last talked. It's why the fuck can't you figure out what's going on with us? Like Mm. quit it with the fucking mixed messages. What the fuck is wrong with you? What are we doing here? Is, is, Is definitely how I read that. Is there, is there a fulcrum of responsibility in a relationship where, because what I'm hearing what you say is, why can't you figure out what the fuck is going on with us? Like, I tried to figure it out. Like, yes. I did my job. Like, yes. I've done my due diligence with this project. And you clearly Correct. haven't. And what's your problem? Is that part of what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. I think that if she had not asked him out for coffee, if she hadn't said, like, okay, I'm going to take a stab at at least establishing what's going on here, then she wouldn't have been as upset. But she, like went out and asked him out. Like maybe he wasn't picking up on all of the subtleties, 
but she asked him out and he said no. And now he's back asking her out and she doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Like literally at a certain point, it's just what the fuck is happening. Also, I think him not picking up on the subtleties, like that's on him. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes it kind of comes like, oh, he missed the signal as if it's some general thing. It makes me think of it's tangential, but it makes me think I saw a, a, a meme that was essentially like, we, we tell um, girls to be patient with boys because they don't mature as quickly. Why don't we tell boys to watch girls and learn how to be more mature? Yes. Which again, slow clap. Like I was like, yeah, 100%. Yes. Like what yes. is this? Like why are we holding the whole class back? Because Roy d- can't figure out that a coffee isn't always just a coffee, especially not with some woman. You just like gave this huge kiss in a hotel hallway and marched away from. Like, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. I was on fire is how I feel whenever I watch this show, by the way. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, my God, I love this show so much. I'm on fire every time I watch it. So um, at first they're wicked. They're fucking great. But when it's done, I feel like shit. Exactly. And I always end up with my watch being stolen. Why do I need a watch and a phone? What does he say? (laughs) I want to need a phone and a watch. And a watch, yeah. Yeah. When he's like. Rolex, by the way. Yeah. Yes, right. I always end up with my watch being stolen or a story in the press about how my penis has a curve in it. Does it actually? (laughs) (laughs) No, I just I just make it feel like it does with my hips. Anyway, the point is I'm trying to no time out. Time Uh. out, time out. Because (laughs) so good. Time out. I'm sorry. The look on her face. Listen, Mm -hmm. anyone who's watched this episode, please go back. Yes, listen to him, but just watch Keely's face because she gets stuck in this conversation and she's like, I need to know more about that. <laughs> she's got yeah. this like slack look in her face and she's like, that sounds like something I'd like to learn more about. And it's just perfect. Like she's, she doesn't do it. It's not big enough that we're like, oh yeah, I get it. Ha ha ha. Like we're talking about his penis, but she does not continue with him in this conversation. She needs to know about the penis thing. And it's very funny. We'll revisit that later in the episode. She, she, there, there is a, a thing where I enjoyed that the two potential scenarios of a hookup for Roy always end up with a watch being stolen or B story <laughs> in the press about his, how his penis has a curve in it. That would be, that would be taxing after a while. I think. <laughs> There's a specific outcomes. Oh my God. Um, so he says, I'm, uh, I just make it feel like it does with my hips. Anyway, the point is I'm trying to do this differently. Uh, I should have told you that I apologize. and I'm trying to be more honest and I think it's great. And Coach and I will will wax poetically about how we've had an epidemic of dishonesty in the world ever since Gordon Gecko said greed is good. But yeah. we won't get too far into it today. No. Um, she thanks him. Um, I do think it's important to call out how important honesty is in this show. And I and I actually did think of it when I was watching this scene. But I mean, you've got Oklahoma. You've got the moment with Nate's ill-fitting suit. Um, you got Higgins and, you know, he's literally gagging with the secret he's mm-hmm. keeping. Uh, and then early in this episode, he actually asked Ted if he can be honest. Like, he's like, are we there? Are we to the part where I can be honest with you? Um, so honesty, you know, yes, it's important in human relationships, but it's really important in the context of this show. They're, they also have the gross honesty that I pointed out, which is whatever that 
thing is that I wasn't sure if it was British or not, where it's like Rupert's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. terrible showing. Sorry, mm-hmm. hate to say it, felt yeah. I had to, you know, whatever that yeah. version of honesty Super is. Super gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I ahead, will say I liked very much that he, at this point, acknowledged why he hadn't gone into her hotel room with her the night before or two nights before. Um, but also I am labeling this exhibit A. Oh, okay. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oof. So you Sorry think he should, it, he should have, he should have addressed that at this point? Uh, I, I would like to hold my comments for uh, closing. <laughs> Man, I'm terrified. This is Roy. <laughs> Seriously, I, my God. I'm, I'm just sitting here like shaking my head. I'm like, Roy, you are in so much trouble. Seriously, I want to tell, I want to whisper run to Roy. <laughs> he, he can't though. He's not that fast anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Um, okay, so um, she, she, he nods. Um, she thanks him. She says, thank you. Like, thank you for being honest. He nods. And then what does she say, boss? And she says, I think you should know I slept with Jamie. And he's like, yeah, no, I know. You, you dated him. And she says, I mean last night. And then there's a look from Roy, and she explains... I didn't think you were into me. I didn't know what you wanted. And I knew exactly what he wanted. And Roy says, right. So you fucked him to get back at me for something I didn't even know I did, which um, I'm going to uh, very casually label exhibit B. And then (laughs) Keely says, no, no. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Roy growls. (laughs) And she explains, I fucked up, Roy. I'm really sorry, but I need you to be okay with this. And Roy's response is to um, growl again, because uh, he's got only a couple of tricks in that bag. And then she (laughs) says, well, why don't you just come back and tell me how you feel about it once you figured out how to speak again? Which I think is as good as you could leave that conversation at that time. He does have a lupine quality to him um, around these moments. Um, I So this is interesting, because... I can't wait to hear your perspective on this, but, but I will, I will mark as exhibit B or exhibit A for the defense. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That, um, so you fucked him to get back at me for something I didn't even know I did. And there's no, um, dishonesty about that. There's nothing that he, at this point, wherever he is in his world, there's no part of it that he thought he had done something wrong. He it, because had he had known he had done something wrong, he would have addressed it. And he says earlier, "I should have told you that I apologize. I'm trying to be more honest." Meaning he is in the process of of doing this differently than he's ever done it before because she is different to him than the other one night stands that he's sort of you know exposed himself to. He's trying to do this entirely differently, and in that, it's a new process for him you know, mistakes are likely to be made. I, I want to say that I, right now, I'm a boxing fan, so boxing fans will appreciate these shows that they do, like, to build up to a, a given fight, and I feel like I'm watching the build-up to the Roy showdown. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, what I'm feeling inside, I don't have words for, but it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Um, quarter chub. I wouldn't go full half chub on this kind of, but quarter chub. And but no, but I but what I will say, and I think it's important for the conversation, is intent impact. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's a big piece. Again, very emotionally intelligent show. 
Um, the fact that he didn't mean to confuse her or that he didn't mean to hurt her feelings when he didn't return her clearly multiple texts or certainly multiple reaching out or whatever, um, you know, coffee and this and that doesn't change that he confused her, doesn't change that he hurt her. And I think that's a part of, um, you know, part of what she was showing Jamie, but right here, what she's also telling Roy, like, dude, like, you know, okay, I I get that you didn't mean it, Mm -hmm. but that's what happened. Yeah. That's what happened. No, I I actually think both of you, you are very right. I think that Roy is trying to do better. I don't think that he intended to confuse or hurt Keely or make her feel like she should be unsure of his feelings for him. Uh, I do think that what actually happened, the actual outcome is incredibly important too. Um, I like that both of them are taking responsibility for what happened in this miscommunication and both of them have apologized in different ways. And I also like that they're leaving it as Roy needs to get over this. And like, that's what the rest of the show is going to be about in terms of this plot line, Roy and Keeley, Roy getting over this, not Keeley making it up to Roy because she'd done something wrong. From a, from a, I'm psyched that, that coach is, is, is uh, into the undercard value of this, of this whole buildup. I, <laughs> I think that whatever Roy experienced, the reason why I'm, I'm noting that line, um, right. So you fucked him, you back me for something I didn't even know I did. I think it's a very common dynamic in relationships. Not that necessarily, like if we take it out of the fucking realm and we just say, yeah. um, like, wait, what? Like, I'm I'm paying a like. Uh, there are there are times in my relationship where I I am I find myself paying a price for something I've forgotten happened. <laughs> like Juliana never forgets anything. So she'll be like, "Yeah, I remember like in 1995 when you?" I'm like, "Wait, what in the mm-hmm. like?" I just you know what I mean. And I don't realize that I'm that I'm doing a behavior the same way, or you know, whatever. This is not not a great example, but. There are a lot of moments in relationships where you're like, well, like, hold, hold on. Like, how could I be held to this X, whatever, whatever that factor is, if I don't even know that exists? Like, you know, that, that sort of thing. And oh, so yeah. there is an element, I think, I think I'm, I think some natural defenses are springing up in me <laughs> where, <laughs> where, are, where they are, they are based around it's this whole dynamic of women being more complex and having more whatever and, and dudes not, not um, communicating enough. But I think there's this thing where it's like um, th- that she's somehow so she did the act. She did the the act of like she made a choice. Let's just it doesn't matter what that it was sex, it doesn't matter. She made a choice based on her understanding of the situation without like double checking with him. She tried. So mm-hmm. her, to her credit, she tried. But a choice was made. And it sounds accusatory that he has somehow pushed her into this choice where that was not the only choice on the table. It wasn't like Oh, if I don't text you, the only option on the table is to go sleep with Jamie Tart. So, so that he could have some sort of reactionary defense based on like, wait a second, hold on, hold on. Like, that's the only option. That's option B. It's like either you're, we have a relationship or you're going to jump in bed with Jamie Tart. And somehow it's his fault. Like it's being pinned on him that th- this was, this was the way that the tumblers fell uh, <laughs> inside this scenario. 
like there's a part of where I go, wait a second, hold on, hold on. And and she says, I need you to be okay with this. Yeah. And I, well, shit, I'm not okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna be uh pretty I'm gonna spend half this episode growling. Uh, there I think there's part of it where anyway, I and I think it's also like a it's a communication thing. And, you know, it's so, you know, you're in a good relationship when you don't want to finger point. Yeah. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. get to the point where like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you, you'd much rather take it on yourself. I'm like, no, no, I'm, you're right. I am so sorry. I, you know, you know? and uh, so clearly I'm not in that. Um, I'm going to have to do some <laughs> research. Do For the thing. last time, I didn't know it was the last Pellegrino. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? What are we discussing right now? <laughs> You know, I I will say, even though I'm acting as prosecutor, as a woman whose boyfriend one time said to her, are we fighting? Was I mean to you in your dream again? I kind of understand That's, where you're coming yes, from. Yes, like, yes. Yes. No, I amazing. do. I do get it. I've, mm-hmm. I have paid some prices for, for dreams. Mm-hmm. They're dreams. Well, <laughs> you probably shouldn't have done whatever it was that I dreamed about. Oh, God. God, I, that makes total sense. That that gave me ch- chills. I remember. This. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so he growls again. He leaves. Um, okay, so little time cut. Interesting. We don't get too many of those. They they mm-hmm. they show the mowing mm-hmm. lawn and that sort of thing. And Roy is looking at what um, coach? What's he in the office staring at when we see him? He's looking at the pyramid of success, which I thought you know. Great choice. Like just a, it's just like a, just a little quiet choice. We've seen it before. Roy's buying in. I think he probably would have rolled his eyes at it if he'd noticed it, you know, five episodes ago. But as long as he's standing here, he's taking it in. And, um, yeah, so I thought that was great. And, and I, I would argue one of my things around coaching and consulting and all of it is I've come up with this idea that it's all one conversation. By which I mean that the you know, I may have said this to you guys before the, the same things that make a little league team work are the same things that make the Patriots work or the same things that make you know a Fortune 500 company work, and so I think he's probably taken a look at that and seen some things about what makes a relationship with Keeley work, and so I thought that was a you know whether I don't know I don't think that would be a conscious for the character, but I think he's seeing I mean it's all the it's all the same stuff. And, um, yeah, he's definitely at a point here that he's going to have to figure out what kind of relationship they're going to have. And, and Wooden said if he could do the whole thing over, what would he put at the top again? Oh, love. He said he would put that it's, uh, yeah, that you put, he would put instead of competitive greatness that, that love would be that top piece. Um, so yeah, I think I, I that was not, uh, that was not a, hey, we got to start the scene. Let's have him look at something. It, it, that was a very, that was a choice. That was very clearly a choice. So Ted walks in. Hi, Roy. Um, Ted tries to guess what's on his mind. It immediately devolves into, you know, you just realize your dad might be a little racist. Stop. He's in his sixties <laughs> and he's from South London. Of course, my dad's a little racist. Uh, so good. He's like, stop. I, th- that is see some of Ted's quirky, you know, Ned Flandersy stuff affects Roy the way it affects me. And I'm like, Oh, thank you, Roy. Thank you. He's just mm. like, just stop, turn it off. Whatever that is, turn it off. <laughs> I love it. Um, so he's like, look, look, me and Keely might be starting up a thing, but every time I think about her, all I think about is Jamie fucking Tart. Um, 
And what does he say? What does uh, Coach uh, Lasso say to him there, boss? Sounds to me like someone's trapped inside life's most complicated shape, a love triangle. Second place, of course, is that it's. I just walked in on my mother-in-law changing into her swimsuit to a decahedron. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny enough by itself, but Roy's comeback is, does my face look like it's in the mood for shape-based jokes? Which is not a sentence that should exist anywhere in the universe. Those combination of words being put together... Oh, it gosh. it seems like an affront to God. Like it just it's not. It's so weird. It's so great. Does my face look like it's in the mood for shape-based jokes? Oh God. No, no Roy, it does not, but in my defense, it rarely does. <laughs> I have to say, for once I was in that kind of exchange, I was on Roy's side. I was like, it's enough. No. It's 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 enough. Stop. Is that right? Really, Coach? That's the first. That's that eight was epi- that. That's eight that episodes. Was a, it took that was the that. first. <laughs> it took eight episodes for me to go. All right, maybe the shape based joke thing, as this guy stands there dying, was a little bit much. That might. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Good. Am I cuckoo for cocoa puffs and thinking that that's a lot of <laughs> Ned Flanders talk? <laughs> um, well, that's no, good. All right. Not. So shape based jokes. Um, Ted takes out his phone. And he says, what, coach? What's he rounding up? He's rounding up the Diamond Dogs. And, uh, of course, Roy has no idea what he's talking about. Who the fuck are the Diamond Dogs? It's just a group of people who care, Roy. Not unlike folks at a hip-hop concert whose hands are not in the air. That was a pause joke for me. <laughs> that, that is that is a... I, 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 like, I cried. Like, I was like, that is absurd. Absurd. Like, what is wrong with him? He is crazy for real. So, for anybody that was that that um, missed that joke, um, you want to walk them through the comedy of that joke. It's an all-time sort of standard classic. DJs used to do it. MCs do it. Throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Right. And to turn back around and flip it and make that reference to Roy of all people, I just it was. Gold, absolute, absolute gold. That was a pause joke. For I, me. I couldn't believe. It. I was like, "Wow, that, that, is, a, <laughs> that is a gutty joke, man." Um, that, that requires a little math, but it's good. It's good when you get there. When you come home, it's it's a good it's a good joke. Um, there were jokes I would do stand up. I mean, sometimes you do it because the joke just didn't land. But there really are jokes that you you got to give the audience a second. And sometimes there are jokes that you know you're gonna fully get this on the way home. Like, you're going to get a level of it. You're going to fully get this on the way home. So there was something about the courage of putting that joke in there. Because I needed... I stopped. Like, I, you're right. There was math to be done where I was like, wait, what? And <laughs> and, and then I laughed. And right. that was that was a lot right. of fun. So in come the Diamond Dogs. And I love how they entered the, the office. Nate says, so this is about you and Keely, right? Beard says, saw this one coming. And Higgins Higgins says, nothing like the early days of courtship. And Roy says, what, coach? Okay, this is my fucking nightmare. (laughs) Brilliant. So this is why, I mean, that's why I think he he wasn't as evolved and wasn't as into it. He's sort of trapped in it. Um, And probably somewhere deep down inside, he appreciates it. But... um, Yes, yeah, it's, it's the distance between what you want and what you need. Sorry about that, boss. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, he doesn't leave the room when they come in. That's right. 
Yeah. And also, um, because we still are on uh, Beard Watch, I would like to say the way he enters the room and spins into the chair, putting his feet up on the desk and hands behind the head is a thing of beauty. Very into that move that Beard does. I'm glad you called that out. Yeah, Beard is it's a he hot knows, shit. Man knows how to move. Interesting. I'm now, now I'm like, I got to rewatch that scene. I don't think I really appreciated what went on there, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Boss has been, um, on, I don't know if you've done it full, gone fully on social media, but I know in my text threads with Boss, I've seen some images of Brendan, <laughs> Brendan Hunt <laughs> dressed up as, as a Fight Club era Brad Pitt, shirtless. Oh my God. Um, and he looked, <laughs> he looked good. I mean, like, I, he I looks tr- good. I try really hard, especially on social media, because like these actors are real people. And I feel like, you know, a, a couple months ago when it was the whole uh, a step on my throat, Adam Driver thing, like it got to places where it felt a little bit weird. The real people who really see these things. So I try to keep the thirst for specific characters or at least make mm. it respectful. And I got a level with you. Brendan Hunt is making that difficult. And I feel <laughs> like I am very close to being inappropriate. Very close. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough, man. Like that. Yeah. So he swings into the chair. Uh, Royce is my fucking nightmare. Um, yes, I'm into her, but we all know who her ex-boyfriend – we all know who her ex-boyfriend is. The prince prick of all pricks. <laughs> <laughs> and I got him stuck right in here. And then we get Nate saying, like, you know, Keely's so kind to be like someone like mm. to like by someone like her. It's wonderful. And um, did you guys get that joke? I did not. So that is a song from Funny Face. And they shout out the. They, so this is what ca- cracks me up. They, he goes, Ted says, shout out to the Gershwin brothers right there. And off camera, Beard goes, fuck yeah, the Gershwins. <laughs> like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Damn beard, he's serious about his Gershwins. Um, but, so that but, was, yeah. But he is serious about his Gershwins. Yeah. Like, like the show is serious about its Gershwins, and that to me is what makes the joke land and makes them believable and whole and three and three dimensional. I mean, in the in the course of this one scene, we've got a throw your hands in the air joke and a fucking I'm sorry and a Gershwins reference. I mean, like what is happening in this show? <laughs> but it works, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally appreciated it. It just unabashedly sort of references these things, and it's not embarrassed about it. I mean, like that's the kind of thing. If if um, Rebecca were in the room, she would reference something else from Funny Face, and Ted would correct her. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> like like you're just like my God. Um, and then Ted jumps in, but dang it, fellas, you're still not getting it. And Roy's like, "Thank you." Sure, Roy here slept with a bunch of different people in his past, and Roy nods. But Keely's got her own romantic and sexual history that predates Roy, and that's not okay. Oh, I love it when Coach does sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's so funny. Um, and Roy says, I can't control my feelings. And and Boss, what does uh, Ted say back to that? Well, then by all means, you should let them control you. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. I mean, it's just really basic stuff. If you do any work on yourself, this is like this is like page one. But if you've never done it and you haven't just addressed like I mean, this is a really God, what a I mean, if you pulled every cishet whatever man in the country and you're like, does it bother you? 
you notice your 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 spouse's or your girlfriend's like sexual history bother you, like you're gonna have a shockingly high percentage of yeses. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like this is like a real simple thing to tackle, right? Um, but yeah, very common, very easy to identify with. Um, and he apologized for all the Chandler banging aside, uh, <laughs> which is do- maybe my favorite line of the entire <laughs> series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do me a favor, don't let her her past muck around with y'all's future. Okay, I I. Well, first of all, yes, the Chandler binging line. You would not guess it by looking at me, but I have, because my wife loved the show, seen every single episode of Friends. So I definitely very much appreciated uh, that joke. I, I like- I, I, hold on. Give me a second. I'm going to have to process that because I know. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> it's true. Listen, your true. your wife is orders of magnitude smarter than you. <laughs> and yes. she loved Friends, huh? Yeah, we watched it. All the, I actually, where I thought it might go, sort of in the in the moment, I thought there might be a we were on a break reference coming. I thought maybe there was going to be that, um, but yeah, mm. no, a hundred percent. Yes, <laughs> loved Friends. Wow, shit. Okay, yeah, real thing, real thing. Um, but I love I, I I love that it's about not letting it muck around with y'all's future. Because that is very much in line with the entire show, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. is like what could be more, um, you know, mindful than that comment. That is the past, and don't let it muck yeah. around with the future. We're, we're coming up. We're coming up to the comment that can be mindful more, more mindful than that comment. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And no, I I love that comment. I also, in a minor defense of Roy. In the entire uh, Keeley relationship right now, I will say it doesn't. Aren't you seem- Roy's prosecutor? I am. Like, you can't listen, just I'm, flip sides of the court. I'm not, okay, I'm not. I'm not flipping sides. I am uh, handing over exculpatory evidence. Oh, I like it. Appreciate. Like it. Wow. It. Damn. How about that? Yeah, man. Guess who watched a lot of Law and Order? Right I guess. <laughs> Jesus. Boy, that was quick. That Holy was shit. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, so, I can't spell uh, exculpatory. Oh no, I couldn't spell exculpatory either. But um, <laughs> one of the things is, it seems like he is not. When she said, "I've had a million one night stands," he didn't flinch. I think that this mm-hmm. is very Jamie centric. I don't think that he's yes. upset about her sexual past. He's pissed off because I'm not interested in someone who's interested in someone like that. Got it. Right. That's, I think that's. I think that's on point. I think yeah. last night also factored. She slept yeah, with him last yeah, night. Yeah, I mean, legit. Last night would be a little bit rough. Even even for someone who's totally fine with, yeah. even if someone didn't hate Jamie Tart and didn't mind her sexual past, last night's a little bit much. Yeah. It's a little bit much. I mean, she still might have, like, the smell right. of his pomade <laughs> on her. I mean. Wait, doesn't he do pomade? What does he do? I forget. Oh. No graffiti. Yeah, no, I think. Uh, no, I think he says not pomade, something else. Oh, whatever it is. Okay, we'll get, we'll get to it, that. We'll, we'll, the we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, okay, so um, uh, okay, so now he throws out she slept with him last night. Nate says, "I mean, are you two officially dating? No. Have you already slept together?" Higgins asks. No. And here's this could be the subtitle of the Ted Lasso show. Ted Lasso says, "Coach, you want to bring this home?" And Coach Bishop, will you please tell me what? Coach Beard says, grow up and get over it. 
And I, I agree with yes. you that that may that could be all of it in a in a, in a in one line. I, I agree with you. I think that's that's it. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's all of them, right? It's everything that we've discussed. Grow up and get over it. And it's real. Yeah, it encompasses a lot. Like if if you, <laughs> it encompasses a lot to grow up and get over it. Ted Lasso, grow up and get over it. Um, the Diamond Dogs have struck again. They all howl and. And then, uh, boss, what does uh, Roy say on his way out of the room? You're all fucking pricks. Or maybe not. Maybe he didn't throw in the F word, but I certainly did. <laughs> it was it was certainly there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's always there in spirit with Roy. Yeah. Now, Ted, Ted and Rebecca arrive at the pub um, for the meeting with the Milk Sisters. Ted is throwing out, I mean... I mean, toxically bad puns. <laughs> oh. um, just my 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 stomach. The artwork spinning out of him. He's oh. going to skim the back room. He'll be an utter gentleman. <laughs> Have you seen Bridget jo- Jones' dairy? It's gonna, come on. Oh, I just watch, okay. As we just watch Coach Castleton die, little, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I'm like, he's, he's just he's just turned off the recording, and this podcast is done now. I guess. <laughs> oh my god! It like was so that- weird. They had eight episodes, and then that was it. And then right nothing. Was- <laughs> they did they did seven and a half semesters of the show. Don't understand. <laughs> That's about it. That's about right. So um, we get a, a wonderful s- sort of uh, vignette of the lowest form of comedy. And then we, <laughs> and then we meet Rupert. Um, Rupert Oof. is somehow in the pub. Why is he in the pub, Coach? Well, um, it turns out the Milk Sisters are not going to show up. So Ted's been working on all those gems in vain, um, and they are not going to be there because Rupert's gotten to them first, and they have sold uh, Rebecca because obviously no one went through the trouble of calling her new Rebecca. Uh, they have sold her uh, their ownership interest in AFC Richmond. So as Rupert lays out for us, uh, that pretty much means he's bought back in to the uh, team, though that was specifically what he was not supposed to be able to do. And and he throws in that they're engaged and what's hers, what's hers is mine. And what's mine is, well, still mine because I learned from you. Oof. Which I was like, oh, what a... Like, I can't even like my mouth starts getting filled with acid when that dude is on the screen. Great job mm-hmm. to to uh, got to remind myself who the actor is that played Rupert. There's um, that ahead, whole th- like there's a, such a misogyny built into that brand of the ex-wife joke in quotes joke. And it it does make me violently angry. Like I want to fight. There's a commercial where this guy's, you know, is like, "Are you, you know, trying to figure out how to, to come up with a prenup after your first two mistakes took everything you had?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, oh my god." Like, yeah. So yeah, when Rupert dropped that one, I I very much wanted to punch him in the face. Anthony Head yeah. plays Rupert Mannion. He is nauseating. On screen, yeah. just uh, utter, utterly uh, serpentine. Um, Brilliantly so. Yeah. Well, so disgusting. Um, so um, we find out they're engaged. And Rupert, there's a weird, really weird inter- – we talked about this a little bit about – and I said I would come back to it in earlier episodes. You know, I thank you, May, from your West End to your Marble Arch. And she's Oof. like, keep your Big Ben in your pants. Like in front of yeah. his – 
Excellent. Yeah. You see uh, Rebecca's reaction. Not Bex, uh, old Rebecca. Yeah. Right. Um, she looked, she's like, what? Like, it, it just was weirdly, um, uh, what, familiar between the two of them or something? Like, I don't know. Well, it, everything about the scene was super gross, but the use of Rupert of the other women in order to humiliate Rebecca. Yes is really gross. Like, Bex is complicit in it. She's not being Keely. She's not being kind or nice to Rebecca and not holding, like, the actions of the man in between them against her. She's fully there to flaunt the fact that she's getting married to Rebecca's ex-husband and taking part of her football club. I don't think May is as complicit. That's more of a, you're going to be paying and tipping me, so I'm going to play along, even though I'm shutting it down. But mm-hmm. Rupert, and maybe that's just because I like May so much that I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. But Rupert is definitely using the women around him to make himself look better, even while he is ridiculing Rebecca in order to defend against charges of misogyny. How could I be a misogynist? I'm marrying a woman right now. Like everything about it is super gross. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and I, I got the right. sense with May. I think you're right about that. And if you're May and you run that pub, you have heard it all. Yeah, and yeah. You have heard it all. Like, all right, great. Sounds great, Rupert. Here's your champagne. And yeah, make sure you leave a nice big tip. Like she's, uh, what I got from that was not, oh, I find Rupert charming. I got, I, I can deal with Rupert, which is a different, that's a different thing to be saying. Yeah, I, I agree. I couldn't tell the Bex side of it, whether or not Bex, um, I just can't read her at all. I don't know what it is. I guess, I guess you're saying, boss, that she's complicit and she knows what she's doing and she's sticking it to Rebecca. And like for me, I'm like, is she just like a little, like she made a joke about, I never thought I'd pay off my student loans or whatever before I bought a a team or what I was like, is she just like some absolute, Empty headed. I just don't understand because I didn't read any nastiness from her, or I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, how, how could you not knowing the situation? But she, I just from her, I was like, "What is her deal, man?" Like, well, I, it's not fair. In in, it's a little of an overstatement, but I think in the context of the show, she's a girl, and he can buy her a shiny diamond, and I'm sure they have dinner in all these marvelous places. And we talked about the fact that, like, you know, landing a Rupert is, to a certain way of looking at the world, like, bonanza, right? So, I, I think, I, I sort of view her that way, that she just, she's she's several years from being able to sit down across from Rebecca and go, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I just think she doesn't really get it and he's probably filled her head up with all these you know you're so wonderful not like old rebecca um and she's gone along with it but i take it more as like immaturity on her part than she's like an evil character of any sort yeah i wouldn't say that i think she's evil um i don't believe that she is as naive as you guys might um okay if nothing else i think what she would need in order to justify that situation. It, it, because I, I do think there is something about not just that, um, you know, there's a line about how when 
similar to what you said, Coach Castleton, falling in love with somebody is them allowing you to see you through their eyes. So you sort of fall in love with yourself too. The things that they like about you, you feel so good about yourself about. Right. I think part of this is Bex might really love that she gets to be the kind of person who owns a football club if she's married to Rupert. I think, saying- I think Bex has always been this person. So for me, yeah. I, when I break it down, I go, Bex is, is pretty. And Bex has always been put on a pedestal. And Bex, Bex know what does Bex know? She knows that Rupert is a womanizer, like a complete Casanova. But yet she's the one that, you know, he put a ring on her finger. So mm-hmm. she is not only she is she special, she's the most special of all the specials. Mm-hmm. And now she's going to get a football team as her just reward for being as natural and gifted and special as she always knew she was. Uh, but what yeah. I what I don't what I don't factor in is I I always wonder about people who like oh I'm going to partner up with a murderer and the murderer murdered all his other partners but like yes. I'm going to be different and you're like yeah. what the fuck like so yeah. like I just look at her and I'm like you know there you want to like click your tongue at her and be like girl what are you <laughs> like what? yeah no I, and I think that that is the the uh, cognitive dissonance that you would need to have in that situation not just like you're dating somebody and they cheated on a girlfriend years ago and made a mistake or even cheated on their wife and made a mistake. But like he repeatedly cheated and now he is asking you to help buy him back into his football club that he lost because he cheated on his wife so much and then show up at the bar to rub it in her face. Like there, there is some stuff happening here that she can't turn a blind eye to. So she would need to convince herself that somehow Rebecca is in the wrong here. And all of the facts it would be against her. Like it, that would require her to intentionally decide that he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I am giving her a little too much of the uh, doe eyed thing. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're. On, I think you're onto something, boss. Thank you for waking me up to that. <laughs> there are about mean, seventeen yeah, different women I have to call and go. I see what you did. Damn it! I see. I see how you fooled me. <laughs> um, but one thing not Bex related that I thought was important here and is especially going to be important as we go through the rest of uh, the scene and the episode is she when he when Rupert tells them the milk sisters aren't coming. Ted says, did they expire? Mm-hmm. Rupert, mm-hmm. it's not that Rupert, like certain coaches on this uh, podcast who will remain nameless, hates puns. It's that he doesn't get the joke. And that means he can't keep up with Ted. Yep. If you get the joke and hate the joke, okay. He didn't get the joke. He was confused. He was so busy being Rupert, he didn't catch the joke. He's not quick enough for Ted. And I do think, I don't think that's there by mistake. He 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 missed it. And when you miss the joke, you miss a lot. Now you said like if you get the if you if you get the joke and you don't like the joke, you're like okay. But it's really like oh, if you get the joke and you don't like the joke, then like yes, that's the right answer. <laughs> We should all feel that way about did they expire? I. Uh, but anyway, you're right. You're right. He's quicker than he's quicker than Rupert. Rupert is a. Ugh. Anyway, moving on. 
we cut from that scene at the engagement thing. Um, you know, it, uh, that's where the moment he, that he buys drinks, we get a little thing of Baz and the guys, uh, filling up with boots and that sort of thing. And we cut to, uh, Keely and Danny in the press room. Danny wants to sell joy and he likes to give away joy for free. Um, <laughs> so God, nice. Roy walks back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny puts both hands on Roy's shoulders, looks him directly in the eye, and says, football is life, Capitan. And Roy says nothing. And I, my God, I I want to be a person who can do that. Because I'm always, like, if somebody did that to me, if they came up, I would give them a fake laugh. I would I would mm-hmm. be like, oh, you again, oh, you, you know, like, I would do something socially acceptable in that situation. Roy's like, get the fuck. He just, he just ignores <laughs> Danny Rojas and just walks past him like, not a word. Doesn't say anything. Not a greeting. Not a social interaction of any. He doesn't. He doesn't acknowledge the existence of Danny Rojas, who has just had his Mm-mm. hands on his shoulders and said, looked him deeply in the eye and said, "Football is life, Capitan." He doesn't well, even. He doesn't do anything. Shakes him I right mean, off and like the guy never existed. That's amazing to me. I, but I think it's great be, and so true to character for, for him because joy is something to be at best begrudgingly acknowledged, right? Like, which, which, which one's your niece? That idiot, right? Like, come on. He obviously, you know, he tucks the girl in the bed. He obviously right. loves that girl, idiot. That idiot. So that's just, you know, who he is. I love the moment when Danny's leaving. I don't know if either of you noticed it. Maybe my uh, my Panamanian ears were a little more primed. But when he's leaving, he is singing inexplicably. And he says, how happy I am as if I were in my beloved Guadalajara. That's what he sings. Is that what he – no, I tried oh. to hear it. I couldn't hear it. That's great. That's what and he's singing. I just, and I'm like, oh, my God. He Yes. Like he, like, he is just – he is joy personified. So, anyway, I just thought that was a good thing to toss in here as we're talking about him. Like, he, you know, he is just joy coming through our lives. So, he's um, I, he, he's from Guadalajara then, huh? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I just watched a, a match the other night. Guadalajara just crushed another team. And I was like, man, they got cool jerseys. I might buy a Guadalajara jersey. So that's where Danny Rojas is from. That's awesome, that's coach. Now I, now I have to have a Guadalajara jersey. Seriously, they're nice. They're, they're, they're really, real sharp looking. I'll send you the link when I'm done. Yes. Um, um, I am very glad you pointed that out because now I have additional notes for episode nine. We will get there. Ooh. I'm not going to say anything yet. We will get there, but I have notes. Ooh. Why are like you building it. so many cases? This is the scariest podcast. This went from like... <laughs> This went from like a <laughs> seriously. This used to be fun, and now I'm just like this Jesus Christ! What the hell is happening? Now, yeah, we'll get there. Don't worry, you're gonna find to out. Debate. Now, boss is showing up to the debate with her note cards and just flipping through, going AOC yeah. on you guys. We are in big trouble. We are I don't like anything trouble. about this. Anyway, <laughs> Danny leaves singing. Roy says, "I'm done being mad about Jamie. I'm a grown man. I'm not a baby child." <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a baby child. I'm not a baby child. Oh, uh, shit. I'm laughing. Not just a child, not just a baby. I'm not a baby, a baby child. child yeah. And he says, I'm over it. And now we get a cute interaction. What happens from here, boss? Oh, my God. It's legitimately so cute. Uh, and that's not a thing that I say often. 
she sort of clears off her desk and says, right, would you mind saying that to the rest of the room? And jumps up and runs into the press seats. And he sits down behind the microphones. <laughs> and Keely raises her hand and he calls on her. She says, right, Keely Jones, the independent woman. Can you say that to the room? And he says, I'm over it. And I should also say, even though Roy and I are fighting right now, I will love him forever. I needed to figure out a new setup for the recording for today where I got to be in a reclined position. Because when she says, uh, why should I take this sudden change of heart? Why should I trust this sudden change of heart? He leans over and says, because I like you more than I hate him. And I need to lay down when he says that. Like, I cannot be sitting up when he says, I like you more than I hate him. That might as well be a wedding vow in my book. <laughs> but I then, like but it. then he tacks oh. on, I mean, barely. It's very I mean, barely. Close. Yeah. No, that that's part fine. is a, that breaks yeah. down the house. I laughed it so hard. Yeah, it's so, gold. it's very close. Yeah, no, but that's, that's fine. And then she moves to another seat and he says, yeah, the woman with the hair, which is adorable because she always has such a great hairstyle. (laughs) And where would you take me if I did say yes? And he says, coffee. She says, oh, can't you do any better than that? And he says, dinner. She says, yeah, that sounds great. And then finally she moves to the last seat and he says, yeah, the woman with the uh, fucking eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, can you elaborate on the hip movement that makes your penis feel like it has a curve in it? And he oh. says, right, no more questions. We'll see you on the pitch. It's <sighs> so cute and great. And I love every minute of it. I, I love that you call it cute because it is cute. And and we've never seen Roy join in on anybody's cute. Right? Yes. Like, yes. whenever there's some nonsense, diamond dogs howling, like, he's always like, fuck you, fuck you, right? Like, that's, that's yep. Roy. And she is now, she is now where we've never seen anyone else go, mm-hmm. with the exception of his niece. And it's a, obviously a different kind of relationship, but like, where you are past all that stuff. And now you get to have a little bit of silly time. You get to have a little bit of like extra connection with Roy. So I, I, re- I just, yeah. I it's also, it. yeah. it's also a really good writer trick by Leanne Bowen who wrote the episode because she knows, Oh shit, I got to write this episode. And now I have these two static conversations. We already had her sitting behind the desk in this yes. very room. Yep. We, and and yes. like, we're going to have this again. Like, Oh Jesus. Like, what can I do that would mm-hmm. keep these interactions in character? First of all, and mm-hmm. still not be too cutesy or too saccharine. Um, and I thought it walked a, a really nice line, um, be, you know, between that. And and it, yeah, it was visually in, interesting because of her bopping around. But she's just, like, charming as hell. And to see him play along in this little courtship mm-hmm. kind of little game between the two. It's just the two of them in here. And it's just kind of adorable. And, uh, and, and, and you know, everybody sort of wants this this thing to work. So they did a great job with it. I would add if you we could have followed them into that room or not even followed them, just seeing them go into that room in episode seven. And that would be a level of connection. We all get it right. When I proposed to my wife, there was somebody who I used to coach with, a woman who I used to coach with. And she was let's say she was 15 years older than me. I'm not exactly sure, but she was older enough than me that to, to be handing out advice. And I told her that I'd propose and she congratulated me. And her next question was, do you laugh together? Oh. So I didn't know where she was going with that. But I said, yeah. 
And she said, then you'll be fine. And I just remember like going, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like here I was like engaged to be married. And then she's like, oh, since you're getting married, I should probably explain to you what marriage is actually like and about. Um, and so this scene for me, I felt like I was standing next to that coach again. And she would have watched this scene with me and, and she would have gone, they're going to be fine. If they can do this moment, if they can have this joke, if she can make the the hip joke and he can, you know, with a wink, say, see you out on the pitch, Mm -hmm. they're going to be fine. It made me very hopeful for this relationship. Yeah, that's um, I I, I, since I'm going to be the pop culture reference guide, I guess that's like in um, Ocean's Eleven when Danny says to Tess, does he make you laugh? And she says, Mm. he doesn't make me cry. And Woof. of course, that's not that's not enough in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Not making somebody cry isn't really a good reason to be married. Wait yeah. a second, hold on here. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? 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 For some of us, that's that's pretty darn good, you know. Let's <laughs> oh. <laughs> <that's> not. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm doing my best. I I don't know if this is about okay. me right now, but. That should obviously be a thing. That's more of um, uh, another pop culture reference from Popeye, but he's large. That can't be the only thing that's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. No, solid point. I I love that you had a nice, um, I want to tell you a story so badly and I can't, it's killing me. I was sitting here when you told me that you had that, that uh, nice, nice woman tell you the secrets of a good relationship. Mm -hmm. I was brought back to, like I had to go to like when I got married, I had to go have like a session with with the priest who was going to marry us, and his like explanation of what marriage was like you know he's like I just want to make sure like whatever, and he started talking about like <laughs> I I don't even know <laughs> just go for it man just go for it he was like well do you know that like women have discharge. And I was like, wait, what? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> right. Because to him, that was something men didn't know. You know what I mean? And he was like an old timer. And he's like, you know, I, had a- and I was like, <laughs> what do you think? Like, it was so crazy, man. I still I feel like I felt like I was taking crazy pills. Like I. I was trying to That's keep a straight. I thought he was. I thought he was messing with me, and I'm like, right. I I was waiting for the poetry. I was like, oh, what does this? What does this mean? Like, oh, no, no one's per. Like, I was, I'm sorry. I I started writing it for him. Like, I'm like, is this his way of talking oh, about women no. not being perfect and precious? No. no, no. He's really just informing you. He's like, hey, you know what? <laughs> Something other than love is going to come out of your wife. And I'm like, what in the what in tarnation? I seriously to this day, I I'm like a gog. Uh, I'm like, what in the hell was that man talking about? Like, I recommend you write a script and just get it in there. Like, if you have to write a whole script just so that line mm-hmm. can go into a script, you have to do it. I, you I have to. I tell that you, is some, that's real. That's not me making that. That was me no, sitting no, at like an oak table with this looking across the thing at this guy waiting for you know you know, kernels of wisdom to pour from his lips. Oh my God. And that's what I got. So I'm very jealous of your situation is what I'm saying. Like, just so weird. People are so weird, man. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, I got divorced uh, in that marriage. Once I found (laughs) out. 
I'm going to tell you, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, All right. God. So um, jumping right into elaborating on hip movement. Um, no more questions to see on the pitch. And now we're back to Rupert. Oh, and he is so mm-hmm. slimy in this scene. So, yeah. Rebecca, it's time to be friends again. Every mm-hmm. week I'm going to be sitting with you in the owner's box. And every week when they shove a camera in my face and ask me how I think you're doing, I will tell them it will be relentless. I mean, who's got the cricket bat now? That's what I thought. I was yeah. like, Ugh. Yeah. And, th- and that's what defines this relationship. They're both like just sickeningly toxic toward each other and, yeah. and super unhealthy like that. You know, I, I remember mm-hmm. I had a coworker and he'd always say, you know, this guy's taking up real. He's like, I give everybody 24. He's great. Oh my God. I love this guy. Uh, best guy, best coworker ever. And he would say, I give people 24 hours. They get, to, he's a Bostonian guy at 24 mm-hmm. hours in my head guy. That's it. <laughs> And and That's if great. you take up real estate, he's like, I don't have that much fucking real estate to to have you knocking around in my head for twenty four hours. I give you that much. Then he then what he would do is he'd go into their office and he'd close the door and he'd hash it out like whatever he, something you said really oh, wow. bothered me, man. And um, you know the that whole real estate thing, like he would say, like it is not hurting them, it is hurting me. And with with you know it's like they, that right. guy that said that doesn't know. That this is 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 cooking around in your brain, and Re- with Rebecca and Rupert, like Re- you know, Rebecca's yeah. not being helped by her constant obsession with punishing Rupert. You know, it's just such a mm-hmm. th- th- these type of toxic circles. You know, they feed on themselves, and Ouroboros kind of thing of of just toxicity and rage and helplessness mm-hmm. and victimization, and oh, it's so so nasty to watch. And you just see it. You see how it happened with Rupert and and the dynamic between them. It's just so. So nasty. Well, on the plus side, Rupert is definitely going to be helped by his uh, pain and vengeance and rage because he is marrying a much younger woman who he met a month ago and becoming financially invested with her. So I think this is all going to turn out real well for him. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Great, great, That's, great decisions. Uh, great decisions. But so, I mean, I, I'm still back to, I mean, he, Rupert. And this is, again, more of the, like, Rupert's pathetic. And I will say, this scene definitely made me want to, like, choke him out. But, uh, or this whole sequence with the with the pub. But it still made me go, like, oh, my God, you're so pathetic. Yeah. You're so pathetic. That's what I thought. I was like, the getting married, the buying the 2% of the team just to get around the fact that, like, you're supposed to stay away like the spirit of you staying away is like we're trying to stop the torturing each other and making each other's lives miserable. And he's like, nope, 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 yep. not so fast. I can make you miserable forever. It's like, but why do you want to? If you can buy this team, you could take all that money of yours and go buy another team. Like yep. he, he's pathetic. I just yeah. find him that's yeah. Uh, he is. He is pathetic. That's a good word for him. It's, it's he's just yeah. He's pathetic. Um, well, and it's not, because not pitiable it, somehow. No, n- not pitiable no. because it, when it's Rebecca acting, frankly, childish, I sort of understand it because he inflicted the pain on her. It's mm-hmm, the fact that mm-hmm. she, he hurt her and he mm-hmm. is now doing all of this bullshit to punish her because she wouldn't tolerate the abuse that she gave him. 
like the level of that vulgarity. I think I've said that word too many times this podcast, but it's just unbelievable that that's what he would do. Yeah. And it's, and it's also getting back to the conversation that she had with Keely that, that sort of got her to get why Roy who says apologies is preferable to Jamie who doesn't even get why one apologizes is it's, he was held accountable. Yep. In a court of law, somebody said, yeah, that wasn't right, man. That was not right. And what you're going to have to do is hand over that team because you've got to you've got to be held accountable for what you did to this marriage. A marriage is a it's an agreement, man. It is a contract. I'm not just talking about like the legal whatever. Like it is a contract between two people. And he he violated the contract and he feels that he should be able to and that there should be no repercussions for that. And that's his beef that he was held accountable. Absolutely. So guy. Uh, like in the in the episode where we had the auction, Ted walks out at the very end of it and he says, you know, you're not the only one that sees what he is. And Ted is not fooled here at all. Ted knows exactly yeah. what's happening. He sees what's going down and he baits Rupert. He yep. just baits him. He throws with his wrong hand. Oh. He makes oh. himself look like a clod and and um, Rupert takes the bait like hook, line and sinker. Let's put mm-hmm. 10,000 pounds on it. And everyone goes, ooh, like that gets everybody's attention. And well, as my doctor told me when I got addicted to fettuccine Alfredo, that's a little rich for my blood. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'll let you put, set the last two lineups of the season. And th- those are the stakes. If, if Rupert wins, he gets to set the last two lineups of the season. If Ted wins, he can never go near the box while Rebecca's in charge. Oof. And Rebecca is, yeah, like, whoa, what are you, you know, what are you doing? He says, I, I think I'm, white knighting <laughs> but he's like it'll be all right i'll be all right um uh let me know if i'm winning or losing all right like <laughs> just like yeah. it's gonna be some absolute hayseed and rupert oh he pulls like a super Wait, i want to jump in on the white yeah, yeah. knighting thing <clears throat> because i thought that was super important in that i think this scene very easily could have played as dun da da da, I'm the man here, and I will take on the other man, right? And by him calling out the white knighting of it, I think he he he's like, I get it, and I get that I'm stepping in here, but I really think I can help. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 I that made me feel all the way comfortable with what went on afterward, and it wasn't damsel, it wasn't damsel in distress quite anymore because. He 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 saw it more as like we're partners. I got this partner. Not you can have a seat over there, little lady. I know you don't know how to throw a dart. Yep, absolutely. I I think that any man who has ever been concerned that he might be white knighting has already done enough thinking through of the process that he couldn't white knight because of it. Like oh, nice. The, the white knighting is sort of uh, well. I'm going to rush in and also I'm going to get something out of this. Like she's going to think I'm great because of this. Mm-hmm. And so if he is aware of what he's doing to that extent, I don't think it, this is him coming through for a friend. This isn't the same at all. You're exactly right on it. And I think what I learned is that um, A, men fix things and B, all knights are white. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Is that, was that, that was, the proper takeaway or? Yeah, no, no, no. We knew, we knew that, right? I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes done I and done. things. Okay. So, uh, oh, wait. I will say, as much as you've known that some of the lines referenced were from Bull Durham, I know in my heart 
that I for I forgot I'm left-handed is a Princess Bride reference. Yes, <gasps> yes, it is great a princess, call. Yes. You're right. I missed it, it but you're absolutely right. I am also right. left-handed. Yep. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. Not with this show. Nope. No, I loved it. I forgot. Great job. Left-handed. So yeah, that's what that was the result. Uh, um, Rupert opens up and he's got cu- a custom dart set that he walks around with. Boy, what a cool guy with this custom. T- I was like, oh, God, whatever, whatever. I mean, if that's your thing, that's fine. But like to to casually show them that way that he did, I'm like, oh. Anyway, and then yeah, oh, I forgot. I'm like, this is gonna be a hoot. Um, <laughs> Still gonna be a fun time. Don't worry, guys. So. Oh, oh, oh. Also, I like that he broke him out after the 10,000 pounds thing, right? So, like, he yes. could have said, hey, I'm really good. Are you really good? Let's see who's the best. But he tried, again, He does, he's slower than Ted, and he thinks Ted's slower than him. Like, that's the most dangerous place you can ever be in. Right. Yep. Right. Seriously, that's exactly right. That's when he broke them out, and, you know, he thought he won up Ted. And I really like that Ted's, like, totally cool with playing with like the bar darts. He's like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. anyway, we cross cut over to an episode. Uh, sorry. A scene with um, Keely and Roy, they are walking and this is nice. This is a nice moment. Um, God, this scene, I've watched the scene. I somehow have this on my screen in like a little, like little video that I keep watching. Um, and she said, I need to ask you something. So the other day when you said you were too busy to text me back, he says, yeah, because I was busy. And she says, but you never told me what you were too busy with. He says, yeah, because it's private. And she stops him and she's like, are you dating other people? It's okay if you are. It's just that I want to know so I don't look stupid. Mm. And I was like, wow, that is like, again, it's like super honest. It's super vulnerable. It's just nice. You can see what she's been worrying about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just a lot in there. She looks just very, very, I don't know. It's very thoughtful and vulnerable and honest and just like the right thing. And he says, <laughs> it, it, it was yoga. Okay. I do yoga with a group of women in their sixties that have no idea who I am. It's twice a week and it's really good for my core. Normally it only takes an hour, but Maureen's just been going through a divorce and she needed to talk about it and blow off some steam. We all ended up at G-A-Y till 2 a.m. And then we had crepes and ballam with some drag queens. Like I said, it's private. And what does Keely say? I'm going to kiss you now. Yeah. So good. So much in there. First of all, that it was yoga, right? So, like, it's not just a workout. It's yoga, right? Which I thought, like, fantastic. But I love that the women don't know who he is. Yes, he must love that. He loves it. He loves them for not knowing it. And I also think it's funny because he's in the in the in the reimagined locker room. This is my nightmare, right? That's Roy. Roy. This is my nightmare. Meanwhile, he knows the exact dynamic that they're talking about. He knows exactly what they were doing. He understands exactly the value of that kind of conversation and advice. This is the reality. This is him kissing his niece on the forehead before he goes off to the bar to headbutt uh, Colin, right? I mean, like, Roy gets it, but he also feels like he's not allowed to get it that way. 
And he probably, in the same way he doesn't want her to hear his noises, he doesn't want her to hear him say, I hang out with 60-year-old women, and sometimes we have creeps with drag queens. Like, what? Um, So, yeah, I just thought this was, um, you know, welcoming her in in a way that goes even a step beyond the uh, let's have a little playful fun in the press room. And in the spectrum of potential answers that he could have answered, like to, you know, she was nervous about this. And this is like the greatest possible. <laughs> you can't get better a better answer than this. Like she was just like, "Oh my god, I'm going to kiss you now." Like he was so he's so vulnerable. When he says, "Like I said, it's private," he looks past her and looks around to make sure nobody is listening. That's how sacred this this is to him, and it is just charming and vulnerable. And Brett Goldstein kills it, and um, it's just amazing. Just I'm going to kiss you now, unless it's going to make you run away again. I know you want to take this slow, and I respect that, but. Maybe I could just touch your arse a little bit, or you could touch mine. <laughs> and then he kisses her. He lays one on her. A paparazzi guy starts taking pictures of them. He goes over and takes the SIM card and pulls her away and says, um, come on, I'm cooking for you. And she gives the paparazzi guy the finger. And now we cut back to the bar. Ooh, and wait, Rupert. Wait. Yep. Yeah, 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 Coaches. Yeah, yeah. Coaches, I'm, so- I'm sorry, but I'm going to need you guys to buy some hats. And then hang the fuck onto him because <laughs> this is the scene where I was like, "Oh, you fucked up, Roy. You fucked oh, up." Oh, really? Big. Yes. I love that he was doing yoga with a group of women in their sixties and that they didn't know who he was, and that then he went out because Maureen's getting divorced, and that was a big deal. But it means that he was intentionally trying to not let Keely knew- know what he was doing when she was asking him to go out for coffee. It wasn't that he didn't pick up on her subtlety and that he didn't know what she was going for or that he didn't realize she was trying to ask him out on a date. It's that he thought, I don't want to have to explain to this girl who I want to have sex with that I do yoga twice a week. So I am going to just avoid all the things that she's throwing at me and pretend that I'm not picking up on them and then ask her out tomorrow when it's more convenient for me. He had things that he could have told her and information he could have volunteered to her in order to make her understand why it was that he couldn't go out with her that day other than I'm busy and he didn't do it. So everything that happened after that was the result of him not wanting to communicate those things to her, knowing that he didn't want to communicate those things to her. All right. On the topic of gifts, there's a great gift where Mike from the office is is doing basically like a yikes face as the camera kind of moves in on him. <laughs> and I just did that exact face. Like, not only did I think of the gift, but realize I was thinking of it because my face was doing that after about your third syllable. I was like, here it comes, Roy, and this is going to get ugly. That was a that was a, a bloodbath. That was a character I bloodbath. Mean, well done. No, everything wait, is Wait there. a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on. Let me make sure I understand this. So you're saying that he, he, what, what this, this seems to me, and, and I, I want to repeat back what I heard. Mm-hmm. He basically knew that he had this, this thing. And, and you're saying he should have, he should have, he just sort of blew her off. It wasn't that he didn't, that he missed her invite. It was like, oh no, I, I got something. I'll, I'll, I'll date you later. Yes. Right. Well, as opposed Correct. to, I have one thing in my life that's safe and protected that nobody knows about. I have one secret, let's say. 
and I'm going to on my the first potential date with someone out that secret. You're saying that that's what he should. That would have been the right choice instead of saying I, I'm busy and expect her on as a new somebody. Like so, let's say uh, you you have two people. They're about to go date for the first time. If I, if we date on a Wednesday, it's suitable to you. And if and if and if somebody else says, "Well, we'll date on a Thursday," that's somehow not suitable. And by then, you should have given up your secret. No. Yeah. Sorry. You 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 got it, boss. <laughs> I'm not saying that what he needed to say was to her was, "Oh, actually, I have a yoga group with six year old women, and we're going to be out all night tonight, so I can't go out with you tonight." What I'm saying is that. Because he felt uncomfortable with the topic of him taking this yoga class, he was less a forthcoming than he should have been. What he was going to say was, oh, no, 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 I'm busy, which is dismissive, which is dismissing mm-hmm. her and seems a lot like a blow off. The miscommunication here was that he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I actually have something that I have to do tonight. But do you want to catch a movie tomorrow? He didn't want her to know anything about what he was doing. So he said, no, I'm busy, which is a blow off, which sent her a mixed signal, which then led to her feeling like it was okay for her to sleep with Jamie, which led to this whole fucking thing. All he needed to do was open his mouth and say, I can't do it tonight. Are you free tomorrow? Saying, are you free tomorrow indicates he's still interested, that she's not wrong for thinking that something's going on with them, that she should continue to pursue him. But it, he wasn't willing to do that because he didn't want her to know anything about his plans for that night. Yeah. A, 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 a flirty, I'm guessing, tell me if I'm right, boss, but a flirty, I'm a big fan of coffee. Can we grab one tomorrow? Probably yes. would have solved a lot. Perfect. Absolutely. And the only reason that I'm calling this out specifically is because upon one of the many rewatches that I did, there are so many times in the show where there's an issue that needs to be addressed. It is addressed right away. There's a problem that happens. It is solved right away. This is one of those cases where if Roy had spent one additional second explaining any of the things that he was doing, there wouldn't have been the Jamie Tart issue to begin with, meaning it's on Roy's shoulders that the Jamie Tart issue happened. He can't be the one that is seen as being a big guy for getting over it or whatever when he's the one that created it. This was all on him the entire time. Can I be the jury? I would love that. Does uh, Coach Castleton have any ha- have a, a cross? Yeah, I think I think it's a great idea for you to be the jury when you're supporting Bones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was totally. wondering. I was wondering if I could slide that through. Apparently yeah. not. Can I make a decision about the thing I just backed up? I mean, is that is that cool or? Um, you know, it's a great. That's a great point. It actually is a great point that he could have made that. Ch- I'm gonna have to think about it a lot more. Um. Because my brain is not um, powerful, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, that's a great point that he that he could have offset that. But I don't see him being the thing is okay. I'm being defensive about the fact that he has a right to keep his private life private, especially in the beginning of a relationship. That's what I'm relating oh, of to. And you're Absolutely. saying like, yeah, totally. I'm not disputing that. He just should have said, "Hey, that's I would love that. How about tomorrow morning?" I, for me, I think the way I read it, he's like, "I can't. I'm busy." And if he said, like, listen, I got yoga, I do it, she'll be like, okay, call me after. And then if he didn't call her after, it would be a thing. And he's like, eh, no, I think Maureen's not ha-. – he was like, ah, just – no. And, and and shoot, now now she's about to work on my hamstrings, like, whatever. I, I'm definitely going to pick this up, but, like, you got to go right this second because I just hate when people hear my noises and 
like yeah and you're saying yes had he thought of it at that time it would have yeah. been it would have been better for them both if he had said like i would love that how about tomorrow yes that makes yes. that makes a lot of sense i think i felt like the ham the impending hamstring noises were what artificially truncated the conversation i i think that that's understandable i think that this is also sort of a thing that uh men i have had experiences with do all too often where they're like i'm just there's no reason for me to volunteer this information. And then they don't. And then the person on the other end of that conversation is like, well, well, well what the fuck is wrong? Where the fuck are we at? What are, what are we doing here? Even after he kissed her at the end of episode seven, instead of bolting, <laughs> instead of setting them both on fire with that kiss and then leaving, if he had said very simply, I would like to do this right, I will talk to you tomorrow, all of it's cleared up. None of it's a problem. It's that every time he was like, I'm going to do a thing and then I'm not going to just open my mouth and use words to explain what's happening. I'm just going to leave. And that I think is the root of the problem and why it's on him. And he shouldn't have been pissed off with her in the first place. I like how you blame and shame people. I think that probably feels really good. (laughs) It's um, Um, in my senior yearbook, I was most voted most likely to uh, shame people. So they had that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Most likely to shame and blame. Mm-hmm, double, mm-hmm. double thumbs up. I like that. Um, the the I, from I I'm thinking from Roy's perspective that the first possible chance he got to go see Keeley, he did. Like in his mind, he was like, "Oh yeah, I got to address this. Okay, the training's over. I got to get to practice. Then I got to run and do yoga. And like, okay, maybe I'll call her after. And then yoga went till two a.m. He couldn't call her then. He's like, okay, sh-. like he saw her the very next morning. So it's like to him, the first chance he got. To see her, he did. And what you're saying is like, I, what what you're saying is hyper accurate. That unless prodded, bovine no. men will not offer any information whatsoever. Unless you used to zap them with a taser, most of us will be like, "What? I didn't think that was important. Like, it's in my brain. I got it. Like, what's the? Yeah, that that is very, very astute as a point. I I just like from Roy's point of view, I think like he addressed it the first second he got. Well, no, and that's a fair point. I think um, uh, one of my favorite people, we were watching a baseball game together, and he is a Cubs fan. And so I said to him, uh, what's going on with the Cubs? Why are they doing so badly this year? And his response was, oh, they're bad at playing baseball. So I think that there is an aspect of what it's like. <laughs> oh, oh, here's what it is. Yeah. They, see, they're, oh, 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 they're the game uh, they're of baseball is not their strength. Yeah. They, uh, they, they, I'm sure, wonderful people, very nice to their mothers, but they're bad at baseball. So I think that there's definitely a level of like this is the simplest answer. So this is the answer. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. I do also though know plenty of men who are like, oh. Well, I stopped calling this girl three weeks ago and she still thinks that we're dating and I don't understand why she's not picking up the hint. And I'm like, no, you don't, you, you, you can't have it both ways. Like, mm. and not just that men in general try to have it both ways. Like individual dudes will be like, oh, I didn't understand what was happening there. And then the next week they'll be like, I sent her an emoji and she's not picking up that we're not dating anymore. Like th- that kind <laughs> of stuff is where I'm like, no, you're going to have to pick a lane and stick in it. One or the other. That's fair. Tough, I think, but I think fair. this is a, yeah, tough but fair. I think this is a real battle of the sexes kind of thing, and definitely and you you are right. You're not you're not wrong at all, and so <laughs> it, it's true. You're not wrong, mm-hmm. and and this is a factor of like this is part of 
something that, you know, you, as if you're a dude, you try to try to work through. And, um, again, I don't know that the natural automatic, um, switch that gets, that gets flipped if a dude makes a mistake is that, um, the woman you're, you're very interested in sleeps with a hot footballer. That is true. <laughs> so that should be the automatic one. But yes, I get, I get all of that. Um, Moving right along. Quickly, I just want to say this. Storytelling-wise, though, I do think it's important that Jamie showed up at her door. I think that's important. Because it's not like he did, you know, Roy blew her off and then she got, you know, all dressed up and headed down and was waiting for Jamie outside the locker room and was like, I know what I'll do. I'll go find Jamie and make myself feel better about myself. That's not what happened. And so I do think that's, I think it's pertinent as we're looking at like how this all played out and where everybody, um, where everybody was with it. Yeah. And also, I mean, in a weird way, Jamie wasn't expecting to have sex either. Jamie came over very innocently. Keely hadn't anticipated or encouraged any of it. Like, yeah, I, I understand why Roy's upset. I think that if it's more so that the writing in this instance should have acknowledged that Roy was trying not to tell her something. It was even if he has every right to keep it secret, he was intentionally not volunteering information, and that seems like something that should have been called out. Yeah, good point. Okay, if we're if we're done destroying Roy as a person, <laughs> we are. Um, although I, again, in in order to give Roy points, because I still love him, even though I've left him for another man, I still love him very much. Um, I would like to also point out that Roy takes the SIM card from the paparazzi guy who's taking pictures of him and Keeley, because yes. that is impolite to take something without asking. I, I I thought yes to that. I thought there was a call back in a way with the hand taking her hand. And that's, it's exactly what he did when he was walking away with his niece. Again, I, it's a very different relationship, but I think that Mm -hmm. I thought that was pertinent. Um, but the, the line I don't want to slide by is come on, I'm cooking for you. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I'll let you take (sighs) it from there, boss, based on your reaction to me pointing it out. No, I mean, uh, it's yeah. a, you know, as swoonworthy as uh, I like you more than I hate him. I'm cooking mm-hmm. for you. Very intimate. You, He's taking her to his house, I'm assuming, and mm-hmm. going to make her dinner. And they're not going to have to worry about uh, the paparazzi because they're going to be in the privacy of his house. I loved it. It was a nice moment. I didn't love that she gave the guy the finger, but um, that's probably the old man in me. Wait, what, yeah, what was your reaction there? Because I actually thought it was, I, I actually don't use this word a lot either, but I thought it was cute. So what did, what, what bothered you? I did. I, I, it made me kind of like, oh, <laughs> like a little, like a little giggle there. Um, what, what was your reaction to it, coach? I thought it was a little trashy. Just like, really? kind of, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just like, yeah, I get it. I mean, like, whatever. I get it. If I was followed around by paparazzi all day. And the thing is, I've gotten used to, I mean, my, 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 you know, how many times have I said the example, like Keely treats everybody awesome. Like everybody. Um, this is the first time we've seen her be kind of like a little, a little shitty to somebody, even though he deserved it. Um, I'm like, ah, eh, yeah, yeah, but it's fine. I thought I I took it as like almost, I mean, she gave him the finger. She gave him the finger. You can't, I mean, you can't undo, you can't say she didn't do what she did. For me, it felt a lot like sticking her finger out. I mean, sticking her tongue out at him. It was like, 
nah, 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 my boyfriend, you know, look at me yeah. and my boyfriend. Like, yes. It was, I don't know. No, that's to- what totally, I, totally. I, yep. I, and so I just found that kind of, I don't know. That, I, I thought it was, that, that was my reaction to it. It was like, oh, but like, yeah, I get what you're saying too. Okay. I um, mean, if, if it's good enough for Princess Leia, it's good enough for me, is what I think. Fair enough. So now we're now we're at the pub and Rupert is winning. When we return to the to the match already in progress, Rupert is ahead. And he seems like he's had a few drinks because he's a lot more hostile. Mm-hmm. Mm. Good point. I'll be putting I'll be putting Obasanya back on defense where he belongs. But you know, listen, it's not all Ted's fault. Uh, my ex wife's the one that brought the hillbilly. Hillbilly. To mm-hmm. our shores. Mm-hmm. Now this is this is where he gets punched. If I'm there, he gets punched. And not that not that, right, right. not that I advocate violence. I know she's always been a bit randy, but I never Oof. thought she would fuck over an entire team. She's been Oof. a bit randy. She yeah. has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the balls, the balls. The, the, I mean, the absolute balls on this guy. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that it lands, the fact that it can even land as an insult is everything that's like sexist and misogynistic about our society. Like, what are we discussing right now? Even, even as a, even as a, a a metaphor or whatever, like, there's just no way you get to say that to her. Like, what are we discussing right now? Yeah. And nobody calls him out and he gets away with it. And I mean, oh my God. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 Ted does call him out a little bit when he says, "Hey, better manners when I'm holding the dart, please." And, and even the way he calls him out is so polite and Teddy, but still. But but I think it's as close to "Don't make me punch you in the face" as you as we've ever seen Ted or may ever see Ted. I mean, yes. that's a threat. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't say like it's it's an open <laughs> it's left open like I still might use this dart if you persist in talking to my friend that way. Yeah, the way he says it, he goes, "Hey, better manners when I'm holding a dart." Like, like he he stops him. He like yeah, the, the hey is the st- you know he stops him yeah. with that, and then he adds please at the end. Yeah, um, May, what do I need to win? Two triple twenties and a bullseye, and Rupert laughs. Ha ha, good luck. Like what a Oh, oh, God, God! I mean, great, great job, Anthony Head, who plays Rupert Mannion. I mean, because it is physically nauseating. This this character, it is so uh, he's just offensive. Yeah, it's it's sort of surprising to me the way that this is one of those classic comeback sports movie moments that you should see coming if you've been alive for the past 20 or 30 years you should see coming from 10 miles away and it somehow still lands that rupert is as disgusting as he is but in such a believable way and also that ted would be down the seemingly over unovercomable uh insurmountable i should say it's an (laughs) actual word uh insurmountable deficit and that's the moment that they've set up for us at the end of this. It's unbelievable that they're actually doing it in a way that seems reasonable and believable and that I'm really into. Well, I mean, that's the whole surprising inevitability, right? I mean, it's yes. the, 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 you know, so I, yeah, no, brilliantly, yeah, brilliantly executed, agreed. This, this is a color by numbers comeback scene. 
except mm-hmm. that you expect it on the soccer field, not uh, in a darts. They they trick you. They don't ex- you don't expect it to happen in a pub. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated underestimated me my entire life, and for years I never understood why. It used to really bother me, but then one day I was driving my little boy to school and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. And it was painted on the wall there, and it said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. And that's who he is, right? I mean, when he asks about things, when he wants to know about things, I mean, that that is – like, for him to say, I like that is almost like, oh, you know, like, you, you could skate <laughs> past that point. Like, he's he is saying, let me, let me tell you a bit about myself, since you never bothered to ask, right? Like, since I walk up to the table and you go – Howdy, partner. Like, that's funny. Okay. Since you're so funny, let me actually tell you who you're playing against. Like, um, I, I, I will use the word messing uh, to, to, to not take us too far down the can't be PG-13 track. But there's a, there's, a, there's a phrase I've heard more than one person use, like, you have no idea who you're messing with. Mm-hmm. And this is, to me, this speech was a complete, you have no idea who you're messing with um, when he said, when, when he takes him down this road. So I, I just loved it. Why are you trying to get crazy with me in the essay? Don't you know I'm local? <laughs> Don't you know I'm local? Exactly. There you go. So he, he hits the, uh, hits the triple 20 with his first, first dart. So I get back in my car and I'm driving to work and all of a sudden hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out. So they judged everything and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. And he laughs. And he says, because if they were curious, they would have asked questions. You know, questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> and then he, <laughs> then he hits another triple 20. And the, you feel the mood in the pub heating up. I just want to say yes and may over Ted's shoulder in that shot. She's got a smile on her face like, oh, this ain't this ain't any old Sunday at the old pub. Like she she she's she knows she's like, oh, yeah, I feel like she's as much as anyone in the room. She's like, I think I know where this is headed and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. One of the things that I love so much about this scene and the May in the background was part of it, in addition to just everything about this scene. But I also love the way that they intercut with shots of Rebecca responding to what Ted says. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when he says, them underestimating me has, has nothing to do with me, to do with it, I think they cut to Rebecca at that scene and she's looking at him and recognizing that she's been underestimating him. And yep. it's great. That's a great point. Great yeah. point. Well, and the reason that I noticed that is that after he says, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? And he hits the triple 20 again, and people are shocked. He says, uh, to which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 till I was 16 when he passed away. Yeah, And Rebecca looks up at him because she yes. notices that she never yes. bothered asking about that. Everyone's responding to the darts, and Rebecca hears that key piece of information and she, I, I that's I felt like she wanted to give him the second part of the hug she gave him on the street when he was having the panic attack. It yep. was she was like, "Oh my god, that's he's in pain. There's yep. pain in here." Um, yeah, I, I that that was a key moment. 
Now Ted lines up his final shot. And what does he say, Coach? Barbecue sauce. Oh, <laughs> that had my that had my brain on fire. Mm-hmm. I oh, when he said barbecue sauce, I like leaned forward. I was like, oh my god, they brought it all the way around. This guy, like you, basically gave him his own biscuits, and he gets to shove them down Rupert's throat. I mean, it was. Yep. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So when he said barbecue sauce and hit that bullseye, I was just beside myself. It really wasn't a, a true now, wait, sports. Explain moment. to me. Explain to me why he said barbecue sauce. Oh, when he talked about, um, he asked Rebecca early on. That could have been episode three, four ish. I, I don't hold me to that part. But he asked her. He's gotten the package from his family. And with the army men and all that. And the, he asked her, is there anything, any food or anything that makes, just reminds you home? And she lies and says no, which he notes. But then he takes out the barbecue sauce and he says for him, it's that barbecue sauce. And he tastes it. And you can just see, mm, like sublime. Like that's, that's it for him, that barbecue sauce. And for him to say barbecue sauce, he, he's like, this is home. Like you brought me. You could, you would have been better off coaching against me on a football field, never mind a soccer pitch, but to challenge me to darts, like this is barbecue sauce, baby. And I think also for him, barbecue sauce is standing up for someone who's being picked on. And that somebody might be Nate, that somebody like to stand up and say, you don't get it. You, you're one of those guys. You look, you judge. I don't look, I don't judge. That's why I had a great attack that I got from our kit man as, as <laughs> you're right. As unthinkable as that was. I mean, this is all of it. This is Ted's way of doing things and being up against Rupert's way of doing things and being like, if we're going to have a whole show about what the new manhood is, this scene is the climax of that story. And the new manhood wins. So he hits a bullseye. Place goes berserk. <laughs> he says, he says, good game, Rupert. And Beck says, come on, let's go. And Rupert says, you are a very lovely consolation prize. Gross. Oh, yuck. Yuck. I want to like spit. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Rebecca, Ted, enjoy your evening. May as always. And then Rebecca says, what boss? Holy shit, that felt good. Ted says, that was fun. Yeah, only one thing left to do now. What's that? And he whispers in her ear and she says, do I have to? And then what does she say, coach? Drinks are on me. And they go nuts. I think, by the way, there's something Rebecca still doesn't fully get, but I think this scene is going to, I think this scene helps her start to get. They don't love Rupert. And by the way, Rupert doesn't know any of their names. He's been yeah. in that bar enough times to know May's name. She's worth knowing. She's the owner. But those diehard fans who are there, who go up and down with everything about that team, he wouldn't know them if they pass him on the street. Meanwhile, is it's it is kind of cool that the coach that the manager knows their name, right? Yeah. And um, that's not what I want to say. Uh, why does the why the word escape me? Not Premier coach. League gaffer. Gaffer, sorry, let me get it again. And it, is it, I was like, God, I'm reaching for it. It's not there. And, and Rupert doesn't know their names. He would pass them on the street. 
But isn't it cool that a Premier League gaffer knows our names, right? So, so, so that's who Rupert is. What Rebecca doesn't get is they love Rupert because Rupert buys the drinks. Rupert's rich and he can buy the drinks. Nobody cares about Rupert. And if you buy the drinks, mm-hmm. that look, all that loyalty. Oh, they love Rupert. They only love Rupert. All right. That's all we've heard is they want to hear from Rupert. She bought around the drinks and, and that was it. Bye, Rupert. Does anybody remember that Rupert was there today? Yep. No, that's a great point. They, they don't, they, they don't, they don't love him. They don't love him. And now she's going to learn like what makes people really love you. They, they're going to love Ted. They'll love Ted eventually. Right, but they'll never love Rupert. He ain't worth loving. So it's shades of uh, of of um, Julius Caesar, William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. We we're talking about Mark Anthony's human speech about how Caesar always filled the coffers, and mm. and how easy it is to sway the mob. You know, it's just really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. So next morning we're back at the pitch, fellas. I could watch you do this jaunty North Korean military thing you do all day, but I need a favor. And Sam says, we'll die for you, coach. That's a little dramatic, Sam, but I see how you got there with me invoking the military and all. And, and he says, how many of you fellas have seen Sesame Street? And now we get this. Walk us through what happens here, boss. Uh, so we see Rebecca thrilled from the victory the night before sweep into her office. And uh, Higgins has gotten a signal from Ted. Ted starts moving on the pitch. And Rebecca walks over to the window and opens it up and looks out and she says, hi, Ted. And he says, we can't hear you. And she, from way back, shouts, hi, in that great yelly voice that she does. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And they have spelled out, hi, boss, with an exclamation point. And as they jump up and everybody's shouting, Ted says, yeah, we spelled it, she spelled it. That's what I'm talking about. And it's. Another one of these super cute scenes or it's like mm-hmm. you didn't need to do it, but it's so much fun to see them like that. And I, something about Rebecca shouting the way that she does makes me happy every time. No, she's she's great in this mm-hmm. scene. I I didn't like this scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, because oh, no. I get it's more of the it's it's like there's this. OK, so here's the thing. You go and you what didn't we see in this scene? We didn't see. These are these are ostensibly the the AFC Richmond players, right? Did we see Roy react to being laid on the ground? <laughs> in a, I don't know, man. I, if it was me and my coach, is like, really? I'm like, really? We're gonna spell a word? Like, are are we? I don't know. I might be too I'm gonna, jaded. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my own beard and go be, only because at the end they all jump up and are cheering. Like, did yeah. you see Roy in there? I, I know for sure did that they he, show Roy cheering. I was I was not able to identify Roy. Yeah. I got beard because of the hat, and I got Sam because his hair is a little bit higher than other people's. Um, I, I will need to rewatch the scene again, but there was definitely cheering happening. Definitely, they seemed excited about it. I experienced it. It's interesting. I mean, I'm hearing that. I, I'm, I'm more to boss's side of things, mostly because I'm pretty confident that generally that's going to put me on the right side. Of <laughs> You're a smart man. <laughs> smart man. <laughs> no, but I, I thought on that very field, they were, you know, surrounding a bonfire and their happiness enraged her. And something's Ooh. happened. 
something has changed and she is now willing to join them by the fire if if metaphorically and but so she I, I so we spelt it i i we took spelt it she felt it and, and but we find out seconds later she felt nothing nothing yeah and now that's a good point too she felt some i mean she responded to it instead of saying i'm not going to get involved in your game right, right away no she just, she she's not willing to join them by change. the fire she left the fire she despite a crazy life altering level of white knighting um and whatever it doesn't even it doesn't even let's talk I, I don't even i don't love the term white knighting anyway but like let's just talk about one friend really sticking up for another friend like he he didn't have to do any of that stuff that that he did in that bar he it, it meant something to him he cared to to like protect rebecca from the the weekly um sort of invasion of her of her owner's box by this you know terrible man and and he and he did what he could to stop it um i'm not saying he needs to be you know like held up as a hero for it but he he actually made an overture of friendship to her um that that was i think notable and the fact that the next morning she's ready to throw him under a under the bus when so higgins once she takes a seat at her desk we spelt we she we spelt that she felt that everyone cheers whatever there's a cute line in there where where ted says oh whoa, i got up too fast um rebecca <laughs> says hey ted embarrassed the hell out of rupert yesterday like it's not like she's saying oh rupert was it's not the passive voice ted actively was the person that did it and Hagen says we got a bit of bad news. We got ten thousand unsold seats for the final match. That's a lot of seats, man. She says release them to the visitors. Yeah, well, Man City will snap those up. It'll be a sea of sky blue. Oh, that'll kill Rupert. Like what? It'll hurt our chances. We're on the brink of rele- relegation. Just do it, Higgins. See, but one, I'm going to start this by saying I am not defending the choice she's making here. Right. So start there. But I will say. She doesn't say, yeah, screw Ted and those stupid players. Just do it. That'll kill Rupert. Like, she still is so in that place that she, she, she's not letting go, even as we're watching her change otherwise. Like, here's a guy who she was like, please don't bring me biscuits every morning. This episode, we see her like, all but snatched the biscuits from him and is like a step ahead of him on the breakfast sandwich. If we see it as in or out as a binary, then okay, I get that. But I think there's like a bit of a continuum thing here. And she's like, hold, like she's still holding on. She still hates Rupert more than she cares about Ted. She still, frankly, hates Rupert more than she cares about her own happiness. Yeah. Um, so I like, I didn't view this as like, I, if you could stop her and help her, which Higgins is now trying to do in a second, you know, he, 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 he gets upset here when she says to release the tickets and, 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 and finally, you know, tells her, Oh, you know, fuck off. I mean, we're on the brink of relegation. What are you doing? Is him saying like, you're not getting it. Mm -hmm. You're not getting what you're doing. You're drinking, you're drinking poison and waiting for Rupert to die. And this is not how it works. So, yeah, so I guess I wasn't as, 
I didn't view her at the window as phony. I just viewed it as this moment in her life where she's like got two ideas going on and they just don't work together, but she's in so deep. She can't see it. Yeah. I I mean, definitely her saying release them to the visitors made my stomach drop because I was sort of hoping that this in between uh, Liverpool and helping Ted with his anxiety attack and the bar scene, she might have had some of that insight, Mm -hmm. but I also recognized in a way that is understandable why she could have that cognitive dissonance between what she's doing to Rupert and what she's accidentally doing to Ted. Like I don't, I I hated it. (laughs) I didn't care Mm -hmm. for any of it, but it didn't come across as phony. It came across as, People do hypocritical, contradictory things all of the time and either don't examine it enough that that sticks out to them or they just aren't emotionally in a position where they can reconcile them yet. I think the term cognitive dissonance is like the perfect term to use here, because if she had to stop and think it through, it's like, what are you doing? Um, Which I think Higgins highlights. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I don't want to take away from this conversation, but as a quick sidebar, uh, Mm -hmm. I was going to bring it up in last week's episode when uh, Nate tells Isaac that he's playing like a fucking fucking pussy. Mm -hmm. And then later in this scene, when Rebecca is yelling at Higgins and says, you didn't stand up for me, you're a fucking pussy. Just um, uh, semantically, uh, I am on a campaign, pussies can take a beating and spit out children and snap back into place. And if you want to talk about a thing that is thin-skinned and can't stand up to a breeze, the word you are looking for is a scrotum. A ball sack. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is a weak-willed. Uh, I, I, listen, is it uh, misandry or is it being technologically accurate? Because if you're talking about genitals that get slapped around a lot and aren't very strong, you got to be talking about a ball sack. I mean, tough, uh, but fair. tough, but fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, the, my, my thing I would say is like you guys always, guys always pretend to be really, really tough. <laughs> and then you see like a woman in high heels in the winter or like, you know, with her feet in the heat. And I'm like, don't right. talk to me about like, right. there is no tough in the right. world that right. could, well, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, or like just exposed ankles in the winter. I'm like, what are you know what I mean? Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Outrageous. But but I think on that, and I yes, everything you know, you're both saying about that. I I think too, we get from Rebecca. I think going going back to the top of the episode where we were sort of figuring out how we felt about the uh, you know boy get out um and all that kind of stuff. She wants she figures she got mauled because she wasn't a lion. Yeah, she was married yeah. to a lion. She got mauled because she wasn't a lion. The key to life, the lesson of life, the secret is be a lion. And in lion, in quotes terms, you know, you certainly don't want to be a pussy. Yeah. And I think I, I, I think this is her, again, clinging to that bit because how let's just talk about the story you just told about who got embarrassed by whom and how is fucking pussy in line with the judgmental guys or is fucking pussy in line with the Whitman quote? Fucking pussy is in line with the judgmental guys who don't get it and who end up getting 
thrown out of the pub in embarrassment because they never bothered to ask a question. Yeah. So it's to me, it's her like she's still she's not there. She's seeing it, but she's not quite getting it fully yet. Uh, in our in our you know sort of language, it is shocking how I'm glad you bring up the 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 reference to like a pussy being like a derogatory term where it's like wait a second like you you, you start to go through mm-hmm. the and we did this with our I can't remember when it was um, coach and I are in a, a fantasy football league and and one year we were trying to like say like oh well let's just go through like let's make fun of someone for being like weak sauce. And we're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's preposterous how many, like you run like a little girl, take off your skirt, Mabel. Like you go through these, these mm-hmm. so many things that we're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. there's 62 insults <laughs> for you're not enough of a man yeah. that, rec- that are referential of, of women. And you're like, oh my, what? Like that's mm-hmm. insanity. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's somehow the, 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 yeah. that's what sets the bar for weakness. Like what, you know, so, and it's just part of the language and it's terrible. And so, yeah, yeah it's like we're really cognizant uh, of that. And I know with my kids and stuff, like we're just like, yeah, you call someone a little girl, like that's a compliment. <laughs> like <laughs> little girls are some of the mm-hmm. coolest, you know, strongest, right. most interesting people in the world. Like, so yeah, no, it's to- totally I- antiquated. As a coach, I've, I've, I've leveraged that. Um, I coach a girls basketball team, middle school girls basketball, you know, whatever. So I had to go to this league meeting and for the boys basketball, you know, here were the coaches and for the, this, here were the coaches. And I was the only girls basketball coach who showed up to the league meeting. So I just, so I just noted it. I didn't. Okay. Great. Great. I looked over the schedule, did all stuff I was supposed to do. Okay. Great. Great. And I went to practice the next day and I gathered them around and there's nothing I like better than putting a bee in somebody's bonnet about something. (laughs) And I just love it. I just think it's awesome. And I, I pulled them around. I said, let me tell you guys something. Let me tell you what happened yesterday. This is how much disrespect they give girls around this league. I was the only one there, but you know what? I showed up. And I'm going to show up to the next meeting. And you know what this team is going to do? We're going to show up. We will show up and we will show out. You're going to go out there and you're going to play <laughs> like a girl. That's what I, and that became like the rallying cry. Like there was no like more yes. like you take a charge. You did this. You did that. You just played like a girl. And they got so fired up they totally adopted we show up and show out like when we would do that chant breaking a huddle like it would like echo through the gym show up show out and they'd like scream so i think you can leverage it but it's a real it's a very real thing and it's got to be flipped yeah and it's not going to fade away it's going to take people like consciously saying no 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 we're not doing that and we're not doing you know man up and all this kind of stuff that like it's toxic. It's totally toxic. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the reason why I love so much that Beard's line was uh, grow up and get over it. Yes. Great because call out. That was no indication about being a dude. That was just being mature. Yeah. It, the show's done out. it so well so many times that I felt like those two instances, I need to be like, hey, we got to maybe, maybe keep an eye on that one. But yeah, I think that they're actually doing a really great job with it. So Rebecca tells Higgins just to, just to release the tickets, and he says, "Oh, you know, fuck off." This is uh, the bookend to. I wonder what would happen to me if I told you to fuck off. 
And she says, excuse me. He says, I'm sick of it. You won't take away your pain by constantly punishing Rupert. And what does she say, boss? She says, where were you? Where were these morals when you were having lunches with me so Rupert could have sex in our house? I thought we were friends. You had every opportunity to do the right thing and you never did. Fucking pussy. Even though we've established that is not the language that should be used. (laughs) You're right. I deserve to carry that around. I do. I should have been braver and I'm sorry for that. And and when she when he says that, she actually looks surprised. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. She's not expecting him to to own that. Um, she's not expecting him to be accountable. Right. There you go. Hey, hey, that's nice. Nice coach. Anyway, I'm I'm saying this to you now. Stop it. Or what? And what does he say, coach? I quit. And I thought it was fascinating. <clears throat> he he really like we have known from the first episode this is killing him. And earlier in this episode, we got a reminder like he still can't keep his food down for being a party to this awful, awful, awful plan. And I think he finally said, whatever it means, whatever job I'm going to have to go get, whatever, whatever it means. I can't sacrifice myself to this degree anymore. This is not right. And I, I just, I, I just had a lot of, cause it wasn't because his I quit wasn't like, screw you, lady, yeah. which is like, it was like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. I, I, I cannot be a part of this. And I, I had a lot of respect for, for the character in that moment. Yeah. It's it nice was literal if- resignation. It's nice. Yes. Nice to be. Oh, there you go. That's Ooh. good. That's really good. Ooh, come on now. That's some seven and a half semesters dropping on you right there, baby. You don't get that. You stop at seven semesters, you ain't gonna have that one. You're not that, gonna get that, that last part, yeah. Ooh, man. There that you go. Good. Barbecue sauce. That's right. Um the <laughs> um then we get a line from um Rebecca. Which mm. I I don't know if I <sighs> if I ever liked her less yeah. than this yeah. line. Uh, why don't you why don't you tell us what that line is, boss? Well, famous last words and all. She says, Oh, I know how this goes. You'll come back, grovel for your job, and I'll take you back, but I will make your life just that little bit worse. I thought this was her, and actually I'm now feeling even stronger as we have this part of the conversation, feeling even stronger about her emulating the lion, the the biggest lion she has uh, seen, which is Rupert. Yes. I I bet you could play Mad Libs with this and the line that he said to her about how she was going to end up alone. Like, it's, it's just that, like, gross attitude like who are you without me you're nothing you'll be back like now that i say that part out loud it reminds me like the the vibe and um what's love got to do with it between ike turner and tina turner where he's like you know yes he was nothing when i met you and you'll be it's like oh like to totally that's a good call dismiss another person's value that way Mm -hmm. is so gross it's just so gross um yeah it's very different than the woman who was standing at the window yeah, that's a great point. That's the fact that she is being Rupert. She is playing the role of Rupert in this relationship. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Well, this is literally what Rupert said to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
This is literally like verbatim. Yeah. He said, yeah. like, if you leave me, you'll be alone and you'll come crawling back and, you know, whatever. And whatever. It's exactly like, it's, it's pretty gross. And you're saying this is different than the woman at the window because the woman at the window was not this. I don't think so. I think that's the, 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 the break, right? I think the, the cognitive dissonance to steal from boss for a second. I think, I think we were seeing, we were seeing at the window, the Rebecca who sings with Nora. Right. Yeah. And does she think it's silly? Sore, but she was willing to do it and smile and come back into the room and excitedly tell part of the story about embarrassing Rupert. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I feel, yeah, I feel like who's this? Like, I love that Rebecca. She's awesome. I, this Rebecca, ugh, gross. Goodbye. I'm with Higgins. Yeah. Frankly, I'm with Higgins. Get me out of here. Maybe I'll put it that way. I'm with Higgins in this moment. Like, yeah, I don't want to be around Rebecca either right now. He leaves. Higgins exits. And then the, the door, we get a knock on the door right away. And already he's coming back. To, he immediately, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Rebecca's face and like, of course, here he comes. But it's not him. Who is it? Who is it, boss? Keely. Keely walks in and Rebecca says, oh, hi. And Keely has her phone out and she says, you arranged for the photographer to take this. Roy and I found it on the paparazzi's camera card. He said you hired him. Don't deny it or pretend that you didn't know. Either you come clean to Ted or I'll do it for you. And I love that there was no, I know that I just talked about not using this word, but pussyfooting around about this. She came in, she said what she knew and what Rebecca had to do to fix it. And that was it. No additional conversation. Yeah. I mean, you know, cut back to the, uh, the, the, the Michael from the office gift. Cause I was like, Ooh, yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> like, damn. <Yeah>. <laughs> like, whoo. Yeah. So it was a pretty, that was, a, that was a power move. And listen, there's a power dynamic between the two of them. There always has been, but mm-hmm. now like Keely has the, has the moral high ground on this mm-hmm. one. Like she, and yeah. she is, she is, um, you know, unflappable in, in her in her position, she doesn't mm-hmm. come in. She's no nice. She doesn't say hello. Mm. Yeah. She walks in and she Great puts point. that phone in front of her back, and she says like, "I don't you dare, don't deny." Like, like there is no wiggle room. You right. are busted. You are caught, and you're going to do this the right way, or or I'm going to do it for you, and that'll be yeah. it. And she walks out, and I was like, "Damn, that was a power yeah. move." We, you know, with you saying that was a power move, I gotta say, cause there's so much, like the character development here is just, you know, otherworldly, like that everybody seems to have their arc and it's all believable and all works together. But what a flip for Keely, who, when we first see her interact with yes. Rebecca on pandas and lions, out and out says the woman scares her. She scares her. And in this, she's standing over Rebecca, Rebecca, who is taller than her, right? She can't even reach those lips is sitting. So she is look looking down on her and she is telling her how it's gonna go. Yep. Like I mean Absolutely. Whew. Well welcome to adulthood, Keely Wowzers. Yeah, no Keely was absolutely great in the scene. I, I think one of the things that hadn't occurred to me until this scene happened is that part of why Rebecca doing things like saying oi out and you know some of the other quote unquote badass things that she's doing is because we don't have a lot of female anti-heroes. And we have almost no anti-heroes, regardless of gender, where we want to see them succeed by getting better. 
Like you don't want to see uh, uh, Walt getting over his cancer and reconnecting with his wife. You want to see him getting away with becoming the meth king. And in this case, you are attracted to the things about Rebecca that are bad for different reasons, but you mm-hmm. want her to become a better person. That That is what you want her to see her art be. That was a uh, Breaking Bad reference, Coach. You ever watch Breaking Bad? I have – you're going to get angry, so just be ready. I have watched the pilot, loved it, never watched another minute. Don't ask <laughs> me why. I, I, I swear to you that is true. I don't – I, like I cannot explain why my, my wife right – My wife, I think every day, today could be the day she finally leaves me for that fact alone. Um, I don't know what my problem is. At some point, I've got to fix it. But it's, that is that is actually true. I did. I watched the pilot. I was like, yep, got it. It's great. I'm sure it's brilliant. And somehow just never went back. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Whereas Game of Thrones, I will throw in, I've never watched an episode of. And kind of at a certain point felt like, I'm going to be that guy. Not watching it. Yeah. You can't well, make me and I won't. As someone who watched, um, I believe it was like 66 episodes and then gave up and there were 68 episodes total. Yeah, no, no, no. Bone, Bone wow. did like, so she did, she did the ultimate power move where mm-hmm. she oh. stopped. Like she just stopped. She's like, no, I am not doing this anymore. And she pulled out right at the, at, I mean, well, I don't I, think we're it. allowed to talk or work like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear God! Um, I, I, that you know we got to we made it to the end, folks. Keely walked out. Coach dropped a bomb. David Bowie plays Diamond Dogs, and the episode is over. Um, my goodness, my goodness. Um, hey, hey, boss, where do people find you on Twitter? You can follow me at Twitter, provided you aren't Brendan Hunt, because I could not handle that. At mm. uh, dumbly underscore chambers, like Emily, except it's a D-U in the beginning, D-U-M-I-L-Y. What about you, Coach? I'm at OG Bishop on Twitter and on Instagram at BK2LA. That's Brooklyn, the number two LA. I love it. Usually you say, so let's let's connect. <laughs> I'm sorry. Usually, usually you add a verb to it. I was waiting for the verb. It didn't come, so I'm doing it for you. Um, I'm at, at Lord Castleton on Twitter. Um, we hope we've been your your personal Diamond Dogs for Season 1, Episode 8, the Diamond Dogs of the unofficial Ted Lasso podcast. We uh, we hope you've... <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this episode and the other ones that we've, that we've done. Uh, if you did, please like, subscribe, review it all helps and until next time we are richmond till we die thanks for listening the tedcast is a joint venture between pajiba and the antagonist visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com <laughs>